Hello and welcome everybody to the first episode of Memory Card Memoirs, the video game podcast about people's history with and love for video games. Today I have a very special guest with me, Daniel of The Save Room and Dungeons and Daniels on Twitch.tv. How's it going, man? It's it's going dude, good, dude. Happy Friday. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me on for like this inaugural episode of Memory Card Memoirs. It feels like I don't deserve it, but I'm I'm very touched <laughs> to to be included on this one. If you fuck up, we're not getting brought back for a second season. That's all I'm saying. It's not happening. Uh, yeah. Bummer. The, Maybe like Yahoo or somebody could pick up the second season. Yeah. The, the Disney execs are just gonna cancel my ass. <laughs> Um, I brought a bottle of champagne. I don't know if you want to like smash it across your computer to celebrate. I thought you were going like, to say over my head. I was like, God damn, man. <laughs> I'm not that excited. <laughs> Today we're talking about Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake. That is the first episode we are doing. It, it's one of my favorite games. And I thought, what a better way to give the audience an idea of the type of games that I like for anyone who really doesn't know me that well. And I know... You love it, Daniel, and we've talked about it on your podcast before, so just seems like the right game. Yeah, it, it definitely feels appropriate, uh, especially because I can think of few games that came out in 2020 that like enamored me to the level that that game did. And when we had you back on, on the save room back in, what was it, like June or July? I think so. We, yeah. we talked about it, and it didn't feel like we talked about it enough. I, so <laughs> I always get that, man. <laughs> um, and wait... Let's backpedal. You're going to besmirch the goodwill of Animal Crossing saying Not Enough came out in 2020? Actually, I'm, I'm besmirching the whole calendar year. I'm, I'm, I'm so <laughs> sorry, guys. Because to be fair, not a lot of great things happened in 2020, but the gaming felt like it was top-notch, like across the board. You know, you had great indie games that came out, like Hades, Spiritfarer. You had these, like, juggernaut of AAA game after AAA game from, like, March until, like, july basically and then you had games like marvel's avengers so, <laughs> but it, it, it was a, a great year for gaming like through and through i'll say yeah um like i said earlier like this is all about the our history with games so 2020 like when this game came out i'll just give you like a a little breakdown of what my 2020 looked like because i'm not of the same mind of other people i had a great year in 2020 <laughs> I love sitting at home. I know, like, I'm not trying to, like, sound selfish because obviously the wor like the world was an absolute shitstorm and so much was happening and the whole pandemic and everything. But, like, just me personally, I had a great year because I, I just got to enjoy video games. I got to sit inside. I really reconnected with friends and really started playing online with people and stuff. But... 2019 for me was like probably the worst year of my life like I was super depressed I was hating uh the job I was working it was like the worst job ever I was coming home every night I was being miserable and then 2020 hit and I was like damn I get to be at home and play games now like all the time <laughs> and I get to write um and I always had it in the back of my mind I was like Final Fantasy 7 remake is coming out baby it's coming soon um, but was there ever a thought in your head that it would slip out of 2020 just with like how some of the other releases went last year? 
What do you mean? Like, and in... just um, in the inevitable landscape that was COVID and how so many games got like pushed back and delayed. Like, I know this game had been delayed a, a number of times already, but there was a part of me that was a little kind of reluctant to hope that it was going to come out when they said it would in, in April. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think by then, honestly, um, because the game was originally slated for March, uh, I think the pandemic hit at like a later time for the, like the game was so far in development that it didn't really matter for this game in a sense. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really worried. I was just like, I was just so jazzed to have it in general and just like, I didn't, you know, didn't have to take time off work to do anything because I was stuck inside. Like I, I could just really no life it. Yeah. No, I think it is exactly what I did. With it too. Me it too. Like so rewarding. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll say to your point of like being inside in 2020, that's something that like 12 year old me would have loved, like not having to go anywhere, playing video games, getting to just like spend all my time in my hobbies. And it, it was definitely like ideal in that aspect. <laughs> I think it's, it's a little different for me because of the age difference between you and I, even though it's not that significant, but like, Mm -hmm. I still live with my parents. I don't have as much responsibility. So like the idea of just like sitting at home and not working, plus the Canadian government was like giving people $2,000 every month. So I didn't have anything to worry about. It was just like, yo, I get to chill. I get to, I get to do what I do. What I do and, and enjoy it and not really have much to worry about. But um, I think for, for me, my history with this game started a lot earlier than just 2020 and you were saying that too i've never played the original final fantasy 7 but you have so tell me about that oh okay so we're, we're kind of batting in like similar ballparks here because i haven't finished it um all these years later mm -hmm. and my memory of it is pretty shoddy um but i'll i'll, I'll give you the deep dive so i first saw this game when it came out um my stepdad was playing it um and i was kind of just looking over his shoulder and kind of looking at it and i'm like oh this looks really neat and then circumstances happened where like i moved out and i didn't have a playstation in my house for the very longest time like my kind of induction into like that 3d era of gaming became like the n64 in that entire catalog um so i missed a lot of that kind of first era of playstation games mm -hmm. And it wasn't until like 2002, 2003, when I was dating a girl and she had a PlayStation 2 and she invited me over and she's like, oh, you need to check out this game. And it ended up being Kingdom Hearts. And the, the kid in me was like, this sounds wild and weird, but I'm here for it. Just the, the idea of like anime characters with Kingdom Heart characters and Final Fantasy, which I didn't even know at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my introduction to Final Fantasy in that world of characters was through Kingdom Hearts. Um, and then I ended up getting a PlayStation to that following Hanukkah. And th this was back in the day when, you know, backwards compatibility was as easy as slipping a disc into your disk drive. Yeah. So I had a friend <laughs> that like I borrowed Final Fantasy uh, nine from and seven and I worked through them kind of backwards like this where I played 10 and then I did nine and then I did seven mm -hmm. and I got through like the majority of seven I got to disc three when you get to the northern caverns and then I stopped playing and this is gonna piss a lot of people off 
but it's because the hit game Final Fantasy X-2 came out. Ooh. And I had to play that. <laughs> and I had to know what happened to Yuna and, and her beloved Titus. And I unfortunately never went back and finished it after that <laughs> in, in all these years. Um, I, I picked it up pretty recently on the Switch, um, which is the perfect console to play that game, mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, and I probably got as far as Calm, um, which is one of the first areas when you get out of Midgar. So it's um, it's been a while since I've seen it all the way through. I definitely really enjoy the game and appreciate like what it did for the franchise, but it's it's not my favorite. Now on the flip side, Final Fantasy VII Remake <laughs> is like god tier to me. Like it is up there as probably like close to being my favorite Final Fantasy, if not like there most days. So well, let's hold on here. What is your fi favorite Final Fantasy? Um, I gotta give it to to ten because like your first is always your favorite. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I know that's um an unpopular opinion for people across the board. Real? What? But... I thought ten is like. I thought like the three that I always hear is six, seven, and ten. Yeah, the, those are strong contenders for like kind of being the best legacy games. I think. Yeah. Um, but I I've gotten a lot of flack for just like oh you like Titus those characters are so annoying some of the game design of it is pretty out of whack and like. I, I won't disagree with some of that. Like I had replayed it entirely through on Twitch this past um, May, and some of the um, the Cloister of Trials and like the puzzles within are kind of eh, kind of dated, and they're kind of um, how should I say obtuse. Mm -hmm. um, but there's such a a through line for that game that like connects from character to character, area to area, and the, the whole complete story that it tells is very moving. And I've I've always really like connected to. To Yuna's story and and kind of like the the damned nature of her fate, mm -hmm. she's easily like one of my favorite Final Fantasy characters. I think once you get into like the three D Final Fantasy games, they all have like very distinct like feelings, like different vibes. Mm -hmm. And I think Final Fantasy X just has a different vibe from most JRPGs in general. Like the the kind of um, how would you call it? Like tropical, not. I don't know, like, uh, Central American feel to some of the game's um, geography and stuff. Like, some of the first mm -hmm. areas are, are very, um, like, beachside. I don't know how to describe this. I'm just going off yeah. the rails. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're, like, by beachside. You're, you're in docks. You're in, like, coastal areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of the first, like, I guess quarter of the game, you're, like, traveling by ship going from island to island until you get to, like, the mainland areas. Mm -hmm. Um and I love that story because it, it has such a sense of urgency to it. And like every area that you go through, it feels like it's really touched by the overall story and, and characters and, and world presence of, of Sin. So it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, let me ask you on the flip side, what is your favorite Final Fantasy? Oh, baby, you already know that's 13. <laughs> talk about oh, <laughs> talk about getting <laughs> flack for your favorite game. <laughs> People do not like what? that game, but um what is it about 13 that dumb dumbs like us love so much <laughs> i just i just love the stories i love the characters mm. and for me a big part of it is like the very personal connection i have to it mm. uh I'm, i actually just wrote an article about it that's going to be in the the jump cut play magazine the digital magazine and then in the future obviously i'm going to do an episode about the game here but i think it's just going to be with me but I think it just hit at the right time in my life, to be honest. 
when I was when I was a young teenager. So some games are like that, you know, where it's just like right time, right place, and it resonates with you for one reason or another. Like that game has like some some great hooks about it. Um, and we wouldn't be here having this conversation today about Final Fantasy VII remake without some of its legacy. No, it was some of that game was definitely incorporated in the Seven remake, but it, like it. It's one of those games where, like, if people are like, why do you even like this game? It's like, it, I I don't need to explain it to you. Like, I, <laughs> I don't, you know, b- back when I was younger, I'd, like, defend it to the teeth on the internet. Like, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. fight val- I, valorantly, I guess is the word. Like, hard. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. With valiance, yeah. Um, But now I'm just like, I don't need to explain this to you, man. It's just my favorite game. I have a very personal connection with it, and you cannot take that away. So, but listen, I'm not going to take that away from you. (laughs) You've earned that right as the host of this this podcast to to deem that your favorite game. Yeah, (laughs) I hope you know the fans are are ready to hear about it a lot because I'm probably going to bring it up a ton. But (laughs) let's jump back to Final Fantasy VII remake. Yes, the um, my, my like my history with the. Uh, original game is bar to none. I owned it on PC when I first got my first laptop, played it for like three, four hours and never touched it again. I have the <laughs> physical edition on the switch, like the seven, eight, uh, final fantasy seven and eight on the same cartridge. And I imported mm-hmm. it from Japan and haven't touched that because I played seven remake and I was like, I don't want to go back to the original cause <laughs> I don't know the full story and I want to go into this fresh. Mm-hmm. But when I was growing up and like just getting on the internet, like final fantasy seven remake was like this, like a legend. It was, you know, everyone was like, this is the yeah. best game of all time. I was always hearing about it. Like it was, it, it wasn't a cult classic, but it had that feeling like, it was talked about in every corner of the internet and people were just singing its praises. And I was like, man, I cannot wait to get the chance to play this game one day. And you know, I, I never heard, at least I never saw people talking about a remake in, in any fashion. And my first experience with the remake was the very first trailer that came out for it. Uh, E3 2015, I think is when it came out. Yeah. And that was the one, the fateful E3. I remember exactly where I was when I saw that trailer. I just got, <laughs> this is going to make me seem young. I had just <laughs> uh, gotten home from high school. I was in 12th grade. Uh, I graduated in 2015. And one of my friends put in our group chat, they're like, yo, check this out. And it, it was, you know, had like cloud and everything. And I was like, what? Like, what is this? <laughs> and I played the trailer on my TV like on my Xbox because I wanted to see what it was. I was like super hyped. And man, that like I still go back and watch that trailer to this day. Like it still gives me like goosebumps. It is so, I don't know, like ominous, but it like breaks the fourth wall. It feels like it's talking to you, the player, you know, it's like, um, you know, they're coming back. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. I was, it, it was one of those trailers that really seemed to like stick everything about the presentation and then kind of look back and wink at the the audience knowing, Hey, we're doing this for you. It's got that level of care that we, we needed to put into it before we could even like commit to it. And 
that that trailer, man, it's probably like one of the most hype things I've I've seen from an E three conference, and especially because there were so many murmurings leading up to that yeah. about a remake. It, so yeah. a weird comparison is like like you said, the level of care that they had and they understood like the legacy of this game and how impactful it was to the industry and just to the individual person. Like let's take mm. super Mario 3d all stars, for instance, like I feel like that does not respect the legacy of Mario. Like Nintendo just kind of <laughs> shit it out and gave it to people without much thought. And then you watch this trailer for final fantasy seven remake. And it's like, they know they understand like they know what they're giving people they know the weight of this promise and what they're willing to give us like and i i felt that watching it even though i had not played the original game you know what i mean like just mm-hmm. from watching that it felt emotional like it had impact it had history to it yeah cuz at that point like it had been how many years like probably 18 years since the original game yeah. had come out and it had such this such a living legacy to it that like just permeated every part of the industry like you can't talk about you know the best games list without talking about final fantasy 7 you can't talk about the best rpgs without talking about it you know it's 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 one of the closest games on a lot of people's lips when they're having those conversations um and it's it's really great to see its fullest potential realized here um, I don't know if you recall or were aware, but they had done like an original tech demo for it back in like 2005. Yeah, for the, for the PS3. PS3. Yeah, yeah, and then it's it's funny because like they that team ended up going to do like Final Fantasy 13, and you could definitely see a lot of that like DNA in that game as well, mm-hmm. with like even like Lightning being that kind of soldier type character. Oh, without a doubt, so, like like yeah. final fantasy 13 was so so influenced by seven it's it's crazy yeah um let me let me ask you if i can what what was it about the the pc version and switch versions that kind of like threw you off like why didn't you want to dive kind of headfirst into it i remember getting to a point in the pc version that the the graphics and the kind of like pre-rendered backgrounds confused me I know that sounds so dumb, but it was like, I had to go somewhere, but I couldn't figure out where to go. Cause I didn't know what I could and couldn't interact mm-hmm. with. <laughs> and um, you just have to press X everywhere you go and hope like a item pops up or something like that. Yeah. It just, it just, I don't know. It kind of frustrated me. And I was like, I don't, I don't really want to play this. And at that time, mm-hmm. like when I first played it, um, like I, I was constantly playing 13 all the time. So I was like this, you know, I'm hearing about all this history with this game, but I have the current game right here and I'm playing and enjoying that. And there's obviously a very different, you know, uh, this is like the first foray into 3d graphics. And this is like a gorgeous, like very pretty game. I don't know. Like, I feel I'm not trying to shit on the game. It's just like, I just, I was young. Okay. I didn't, I, no. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's understandable. Like I'm kind of the same way with some of those older games, like growing up and loving a lot of those early, like 3d 
great games right that like really pushed on like 3d polygons and environments and now looking back on it some of it looks a little jagged and a little ugly and i would rather play that you know 60 frames per second popping game that's visually pleasing because eye candy um so i've definitely had like problems going back to like you know legacy titles um older resident evils um older final fantasies stuff of that nature so i i feel you like it's you're not alone um it's it almost feels like a bastardization to say it out loud but like it is what it is like some of those games don't age well but you could still respect what they were for the time and what they did to usher in that like new age of gaming yeah like i could i could definitely go back now i could definitely go back and play it now but like i said earlier since i played the remake i just like Mm want to have a clean slate going forward i don't want to Mm -hmm have any potential spoilers even though you know i know about Aerith and like all the shit about zach and, and stuff like that but mm-hmm. uh i have an interesting comment about that that i'll save for later okay okay <laughs> um i but i would re-watch those trailers constantly i think it was the e3 2019 trailer and it had that just banging soundtrack it had um I've been listening to it on Spotify like crazy since they put the soundtrack on there. I think it's the Scorpion Sentinel boss battle theme where it's like dun 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 dun. dun. I, I love that that and like I love that trailer. I rewatch it constantly like leading up to the game. I thought it was so hype. That's such like an impressive thing that like carries through the trailers and even the game itself. Just like the way the music like heightens so many of those moments. And it's cool to like now get to go back and like listen to the soundtrack on Spotify and I actually have it on vinyl now. And like, I kind of like, I can close my eyes and almost like kind of imagine some of these moments happening because like, that's how memorable they are and like their presentation and and the way they stay with you. No, I I literally do the same thing. Like I I remember (laughs) when I heard them in game and what was happening, like, and, and just the, again, the history with this game. Like I remember, remember the... You know, in the, in, the, in the prologue, the first chapter, when uh, you meet with the soldiers and it starts playing the battle theme and Cloud's like, hey, that's my line. And it like really ramps mm-hmm. up and it's just like, damn, this yeah. is so <laughs> hype. Like, and again, didn't barely played the first game, but like I still knew it was there. It's like, this is so cool. Like, I bet so many people are like so happy and like, you know, the nostalgia is hitting them when they get to this part. Like, it's so cool. Just uh, it's still like yeah. now I'm getting excited. I was playing it before we, before we hopped on the Discord just to like get a you know, a little refresher, and it's like man, I I just love this Same. game so much. I, I I'm pretty far removed from like my last full playthrough of it because I I like slammed that game down last April. <laughs> I played it back to back twice, got the platinum just drenched myself in materia and like just the essence of that game and then i kind of moved on to the next thing but i wanted to like kind of be back in that world for a bit i I think i'm waiting for the the ps5 upgrade to really go kind of full cock and kind of play through it in entirety but i played some like select chapters like i played the first like opening chapters chapter four chapter eight where you meet Aerith, and it was just like such a delight to be back in that world like it just made me so happy <laughs> yeah man you're saying all the stuff and i want to like you know jump forward to it but it's like we've got to go through it all man we got to talk about it yeah. all um what was your experience like on like release day like were you uh, for me like I, I could not sit still all day like i was so excited so i 
I had that Friday off because I usually have like Fridays and Saturdays off, it, and I did the no. I was just gonna dumb thing. I was gonna say like if you think I'm being weirdly specific about shit, it's because I remember mm. all the stuff like super well. Like I, yeah. I just want to know if you have a similar experience with it. Oh no, I I'm I'm right there with you where I very much live through like kind of looking back and kind of having like memory imprints of, of things. Mm-hmm. And this one, like, I had the the day off. I remember feeling kind of stupid about not having, like, pre-ordered the game <gasps> in the edition that I wanted. Oh, no. Yeah, because I, I wanted, like, the collector's edition um, with the Steelbook cover and all that. And this was just, like, when, when COVID hit. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go out to a Best Buy and see if I can find it and just kind of shoot my shot and see. And didn't have luck at the first one. I ended up going to, like, two different targets. And I ended up getting, a, like, a collector's edition and then uh, a standard edition for my roommate, Kevin. And I remember just like on that drive home, just feeling so pumped and just feeling like I'm going to just make sure I can clear out like the rest of my day for this. Mm -hmm. And I ended up streaming the first three hours of it. And then the rest of it, I just like played offline um, until I, I think I had beat it. And then when I was doing my second playthrough uh, roundup on it, I was like, all right, I'll stream the rest of it because (laughs) I just wanted to like take in that like game myself and on my own terms because it felt like so personal and special. So, but what what about for you? What was it like that kind of that first day, like when you popped it in? Well, uh, because everything was closed down here, even even if we pre-ordered the game, you couldn't get it. So I didn't have it pre-ordered, and I'm like, I'm physical. Like all I buy is physical. So it it, it felt like I was going against the DNA in my body to get it uh, digitally, but I had to. I had to. So. You know, like I said, all day I was just antsy. I was like, come on, hit. Like the day before, I was like, let's get to fucking midnight right now. Like, I'm so excited. (laughs) And then, uh, because if you bought it digitally, right, you could pre-download it. But mine would not let me for some reason. I did not know why and I couldn't fix it. So when I hit 12, I had to wait for it to download. And it's a, you know, it's a big game. It's a, it's a, it's a meaty boy. Yeah. It's a Square Enix game. Like they prioritized <laughs> nice ass graphics. So, um, I think it finally finished downloading at like th- three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I, oh baby, I stayed up. Like I sat there watching <laughs> like it, you know, I don't remember what I was doing at the time because it like my brain just blocked it out. Mm-hmm. But I just stayed up and waited, and I think I played until six in the morning. I think, and then finally awesome. I was just like, I'm way too tired. Like I'm, I'm not taking it in as yeah. much as I want. And that's definitely a game that you want to be able to take in in full because there's so much love sprinkled throughout it. Whether it's like in the environments, the character interactions, the little music cadences, and you know reimaginings of themes, like. It, you don't want to miss any of it <laughs> and it's 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 that special and i remember like playing those first three hours on sh- um three chapters rather on stream and just feeling so overwhelmed with emotion like i look back at the vod sometimes and i'm just like that's daniel that i haven't seen that happen in a really <laughs> long time because i'm just like just seeing the one for one shot of like kind of the, the train coming into midgar seeing the camera pan in seeing how it's just like such a wonderful reimagining of like that opening scene mm-hmm. and then just everything that came after i'm just like they nailed it they literally like nailed every like living part of this game and imagine it in ways that i just i couldn't think possible but i'm, I'm glad they did <laughs> do you ever like do you have this thing where uh 
your favorite game do you ever worry it's like man i'm afraid i'm not gonna play anything that i like as much as this like i'm afraid this is it like i'm mm-hmm. i'm afraid that my favorite game nothing will ever surpass it and i'll just be playing something lesser than do you ever have that happen that's a tough one for me because like my favorite game of all time is ocarina of time Mm -hmm. so i mean that one is definitely like it's it's aged pretty badly in some regards and i haven't i haven't played it since like the 3ds and there definitely have come games since then that i've just been like oh this could easily like knock it off the pedestal for me like i think of games like uh god of war 2018 i think of games like this final fantasy 7 remake or like the last of us and i'm like easily could be my number one but i just i hold that title just kind of at that top spot for my own personal reasons because it's really what made me fall in love with video games um so yeah i i I think there's that kind of fear that i'm i'm never gonna play a game as as good as this but we will (laughs) it's just it's this is always gonna stand tall amongst whatever comes after i guess for me it was it's um i was i'm afraid that i'll never play a game that where it has um it doesn't have as deep as an emotional impact as final fantasy 13 did for me like i'm afraid mm-hmm. i won't be as connected or emotionally invested as that game ever again but going mm-hmm. into final fantasy 7 i was like everything has to be perfect for me to enjoy this game <laughs> like i you know i gotta be in the right mindset i gotta have snacks i gotta you know nothing bad <laughs> can happen that day and it was funny you know because like i said i had to wait to download it and i was just i was freaking out i was like come on um but you know it did when i finished it i was like i this to me like if we're talking objectively i was this game is better than final fantasy 13 by far but Mm -hmm. final fantasy 13 is just still my favorite because you know like i said the time i played it um but yeah i would I I just remember that day so clearly well. It was I was I was just so hyped for it. <laughs> I I know I keep repeating myself, but no, it's there there are games that are are definitely like that that just like you you remember the day you got them, you remember the the feeling playing through it and all the hours after you like and just the way you felt. Like there there are a lot of games like that for me thinking back, you know this is definitely one of them um and it's it's unmatched i I would definitely say like it is not without its blemishes it's i i don't think it's like a perfect game through and through no no but it's a perfect game for me like i think it's yeah like it hits on every note i needed it to hit and i think it's it's miles away like probably the best modern final fantasy Mm -hmm. um and then obviously you have these legacy titles to kind of contend with along the way but i think everything it sets up to do it achieves it hits that limit break it knocks it out of the park and it just everything about it really really does shine yeah do you what are some like memorable moments you have throughout the game like story let's start with story-wise like what you know what's your favorite what what hit you my favorite story moment are we going spoilers on this is this okay fuck yeah oh yeah Okay, I'm gonna drop the spoiler. Sorry, nerds, play the, the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think my my favorite like overall story moments um, are kind of towards the latter half. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, I'm just thinking in terms of like bigger set dressing moments, like um, the 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 scene where the Sector Seven plate drops oh. and all of the stuff that surrounds that. Like, y- you have these characters that 
weren't originally there fleshed out in these really like deep meaningful ways um like the fact that you have characters like jesse biggs and wedge who were kind of just polygons in the original game i that, love them you know, really had no i no way love them to death i'm sorry yeah and you have like all these moments and payoffs with them up until that very moment to where like you know you lose some of them and it tears you apart yeah. like it's just so like riveting i think they did a fantastic and, like, job of fleshing them out yeah but like everything like that leads like up to that kind of that top of the plate fight everything that happens after like the aftermath of it it's just like so so well done and it it carries the weight of of the original in in ways that just like i i couldn't have imagined being um yeah that one that one stands tall for me especially like in the aftermath where like you have barrett like kind of just pounding at like the 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 rubble and screaming for his daughter Mm -hmm. and it's just like dude this man with a machine gun arm is about to make me cry (laughs) because like you can feel like his his pain and and sadness in that moment (laughs) man we that we're totally on the same page like yeah that um that chapter where because i think you kind of come into it and and barrett and like jesse and wedge are already up there right they're fighting and you know what's coming right like you've played through the game and i knew what was coming just because i heard it's like you know that Mm -hmm. they're about to die you know that the plate's about to be dropped and 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 the slums are about to be destroyed my heart was pounding because you know it's coming but you know this game is a little bit different it's like man if i just fucking run up those stairs faster maybe i can save them like maybe it can make a difference and i was just so like scared like i was scared for fictional characters yeah and it was it just it hits so different and it was you know going through the game i knew i loved it i knew as much but at that moment i was like i fucking love this game i love these characters they are precious to me (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) it's one of those moments where like everything it sets up has like this ultimate payoff and it granted it's like super tragic and sad the circumstances of like why you're there yeah but it's just like the the way they write these characters their interplay and get them to like point to point to where something like this matters and you feel the loss is like that's good writing like they they nailed that Mm -hmm. and to have these kind of like throwback lines like when jesse's kind of laying there and dying and she's just talking about like you know how she wished she could have had you over for like pizza to try her mom's cooking and i'm just like damn it i never did get to try the midgar special (laughs) huh and it's just like it hurts and a lot of that the way they do that scene is really smart too where they tell it from different perspectives where you see Aerith on the ground level Mm -hmm. saving people and then you see it from the top and it's just like man it it's one of the the most like high throttle high stakes chapters in that game for me i I was literally like screaming at people in my head like (laughs) like because remember some i think it was like the guards they're like oh everyone just stay calm fine and they're like, no, like it's good. The plate's gonna drop. And I was like, you motherfuckers, let's go! Like, <laughs> I want these people to live. Oh, you have that one guard too, who is getting kicked around by like his superior earlier in the game, and then he kind of stands up to him in that moment. He's like, no, we got to get these people out. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so well done. Yeah, that's that's easily one of my favorites. Um, do you, do you want to tell me one of yours? We can kind of go back and forth. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> mine's a bit uh, more comical. The stairs in the Shinra building. Oh my god! <laughs> I because I didn't uh, never played the original again. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know that was a thing, 
so on my second playthrough i did that i didn't even i i heard about it and i was like oh apparently this is funny i guess i'll do it and just like (laughs) barrett's complaining this sucks i want to go back it's just so funny to me like because i would totally be me in that in that situation if somebody brought me to like 100 flights of stairs fuck fuck this let's take the elevator man i don't know it always uh it always makes me laugh that one kills me like i i had done that my first playthrough and i was like oh my god they really wrote all these lines of dialogue (laughs) like as you're like like, very stairs optional moment too yeah. like it was it and was then on the flip cool side when you when me. you ride up the elevator like it's still funny like you get all these like kind of upper echelon um midgarians like looking at you and just being like oh you shouldn't be here <laughs> like are these yeah. cosplayers like it's it's really funny um, the, this this remake to me does like a great job of showing the class difference in like midgar and e- from like everything the way people talk to each other the way mm-hmm. they dress the way they talk um i don't know i loved it i i loved like going up uh, up top on the plate and like seeing jesse's mom and it's like oh this is like a regular neighborhood then you mm-hmm. go to the slums and people are like living in shacks and shit and it's like this is cool this is detail that i want yeah i think that's kind of what the the benefit of expanding a small section of a game like what the first six seven hours of the original Mm -hmm. final fantasy 7 and making it a 40-hour experience because you can have these areas that like really breathe in different ways and i mean there are areas in in the original game that you just kind of walk through very briefly but i mean you get these moments at this where you go you know to the top of of the sector seven sphere like you said you get to see that neighborhood you get to see the class divides and then as you move through, you kind of get this broader picture of like, what is the have and have nots of, of Midgar and how everybody is living in that slums and the people who benefit from it and the people who aren't affected mm-hmm. by it either. And it's, it's really, it's, it's cool to see it because I think the, the original definitely hit it in a one dimensional kind of way. And there are echoes of that in, in Final Fantasy 13 as well, that same sort of like class divide. But this game like just brings it back and it's just like, okay, this is probably the the way you wanted to tell it the first time. And now you have the room and 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 runtime to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. when they announced it was gonna be a multi part series, I was immediately for it when they said the first game's gonna be mm-hmm. just in Midgar. I was like, Okay, you know, this is smart from a storytelling point of view. They're fleshing out, you know, the main characters, your home, what you're fighting for. Like it's giving you a lot more motivation um time mm-hmm. with these characters fleshing out avalanche stuff like that i loved it. i i and you know there was so much backlash because people are like oh it's gonna be like 10 games you know it's gonna be filled with all mm-hmm. this filler and trash and stuff and it's like man i trust like I, I trust these people to know what they're doing and that they understand the legacy of this game so yeah i think um i think katase and namora definitely like know what they're what they're doing here and if every installment ends up being as like i don't know fleshed out and and additive with with all this love i'm here for it (laughs) um midgar was like definitely like it's it's a memorable area from the original game but it's like there's so many cooler areas you go beyond that and the fact that i'm just doing stuff in this game that like you know some of it's mundane, some of it's fun, some of it's comical, but it all serves a purpose to kind of like flesh mm-hmm. out the world. And 
and I love it. <laughs> um, it. It definitely pads its its runtime in kind of inconsequential ways in, in areas, I'd say. Like, you're doing kind of basic, like, fetch quests yeah. here and there for some characters. But even still, like, it's enjoyable, I think. Do you have any more favorite moments, or...? Uh, geez, do you have another, like, two hours of podcast <laughs> that you can lend me? <laughs> yes. Um, I'll, I'll run through them pretty quickly. Um, I, I love the, the Shinra building. I think, um, that, that whole, like, last two chapter setup is just, like, mm-hmm. so well done. Um, that whole, getting to walk through, like, aspects of that building, getting to see, like, the theater where you see, like, Neo Midgar, and everything that kind of falls after with those, those fights just excellent excellently like um choreographed excellent cinematography excellent staging for the characters um that's that's easily like one of my favorite environments when um they kind of do the fake out with sephiroth stabbing barrett man i was like whoa what the fuck like hope the game isn't changing this much like damn but yeah the shinra building was so good yeah and then the whispers were like "Uh uh-uh it and that the the boss fight at the end with rufus oh that was a good ass boss fight <laughs> i'm i'm saying like there's literally like five back-to-back fights in that area that are as hype as the last like you fight a bio mutant you fight uh genova dreamweaver rufus Sephiroth. it's like what yeah the they heck? <laughs> it's so that's nuts. the thing people are are talking about oh the game is very padded there's a lot of extra stuff it's like yeah, but there's a lot of moments in this game that are super hype and like very to me um when you're in the thick of the story it's like every line of dialogue is important. Everything they do is important. Mm-hmm. Like there are some lines in this game that I've watched whole videos about of people like overanalyzing mm-hmm. it. Like that's what I love about it. Like like you said it is there are some menial stuff that you do in some fetch quests, but you know you're just getting extra mm-hmm. items, some some EXP. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal. Any, yeah. every game has stuff like that, especially JRPGs. Like, if you compare it to Octopath Traveler or Bravely Default 2, there's like pretty much no fucking grinding in Final Fantasy VII. I'm sorry, like, <laughs> like you can do it, but you really do not no, need to. I think a lot of the experience really comes just like naturally through playing the game oh, and yeah. then doing like the the chadley shinra battle stuff as well i love that stuff i thought it was so much fun oh it was cool i don't necessarily love that that's the way they handled like the presentation of the summons Mm. but i thought it was clever for like what they were working uh that kind of brings me into the next thing is is just mechanics and elements that you enjoy because i liked the the shinra stuff because the just the meticulous design of the combat system mm-hmm. it to me the best combat system in video games like everything is crafted to where it feels like nomura was like sterling this is for you <laughs> like th- we are giving this to you this is a gift from god here you go you know what i mean like it has everything i love what do you think isn't that a crazy thing to think that like you could play a game and like so many like millions of other people are going to play it, but like you sit down with it and you like feel like it is for you just the way it's, it's packaged and it hits on all those special moments and highs. Um, I, I'll agree with you. I think this is hands down, like one of the best combat systems in a final fantasy. It's, it's not my favorite across all games, 
but I think that that hybrid evolution is so smart and I love seeing companies kind of flip the script with things like that um especially kind of like the way the foundation was laid over time with it right you have like kingdom hearts where it's more you know action rpg it deals with like sub menus and how you handle your spells and items but you know it's not turn-based and then you have Mm -hmm. the kind of step up of like all right cool final fantasy 12 right you have these kind of mini open world environments it's still turn-based but you feel like you have more agency then Mm -hmm. 13's like all right we're gonna give you paradigms you're gonna have all these like really cool like kinetic like mode and class swaps in the moment that make you feel in control and then 15 where it's like we're going to give you that kind of action rpg feel and i think this system like marries it all in a way that is just so smart and snappy like swapping between characters on the fly equipping materia building up the best specs it feels awesome like i feel so equipped and so like great in every battle regardless of the character that i'm playing as which is i remember when 15 came out me and my friend had a conversation about the combat in that game and he was Mm -hmm. like He's like, oh, this is definitely just experimentation for Final <laughs> Fantasy VII Remake. Like, they're just fucking around with the action-oriented combat so mm-hmm. they can perfect it for Seven Remake. And I was like, okay, I like the sound of that. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, like, 15 was like, hey, press triangle to warp strike. But yeah. <laughs> this game definitely does it in, in heavier, more thoughtful doses. Um, and just the kind of uh, synergy between characters too it's just like you feel like you really have to think about who you bring into the play sometimes and i mean granted there's some story areas where it's like it's pre-designed you're gonna play as cloud and Aerith or you know cloud bear and tifa but mm-hmm. in some of those other areas where you have a little bit more agency like the the battle stuff it's like okay cool i can figure out who i want to play here mm-hmm. um what what's your favorite part of the combat like all things considered just how snappy and strategic you have to be, especially in harder fights. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, again, like you said, you really have to plan out your materia, what characters you're using. Uh, you have to use the environment around you in some boss fights and not, it. it's not always just like, Oh, during this scripted part, like hide behind this thing. So you don't get attacked. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, use Aerith to use one of her ward abilities in the spot so that I can uh, cast spells but not get hit by, like, enemy gunfire or something. Mm-hmm. Like, a shit like that. And just how differently each character plays. Like, uh, you know, Cloud feels very powerful and snappy, but Aerith feels like she just packs that punch. Yeah. And she's so fluid. And you can, like, combo her moves into each other. But then Barrett is, like... You know, you're just like firing off his gun arm and he does the the like charge thing and it just yep. has that like sound effect and and there's way to like optimize how you play. Like I said with Tifa, you can string her nor- normal moves into her special abilities mm-hmm. and then bear it if you ple- press triangle at the end of his uh his animation where he's kind of like letting his gun cool off, you can press triangle and it'll do that charge for you. So you're not wasting that time with that animation. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yes. so like cool like that. It's so in-depth. And then with Aerith, at first when I played Aerith, I hated her because I was like, oh, she's weak. She's slow. She's always dying. Mm-hmm. But her Tempest ability is super overpowered if 
you're dealing with a very stationary foe. Mm-hmm. Like you can just spam that tempest ability, and then I wasn't u- it's utilizing. Kind of <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't u- utilizing her ward abilities where you can like double cast spells and shit. Mm-hmm. Or she casts that shield that blocks enemy projectiles. Like, everything is so useful in the, that game. And then you get the motherfucking Materia system. Oh, my God. Like, so I, when I replayed the game on hard, I was like, man, I'm not even utilizing the Materia to their, like, fullest capabilities. Like, this is insane. Like, Yeah, that's the thing about hard mode where it slaps your, your hand in place and it's like, no, you need to think about what you're bringing into combat because yeah. you can't use like a lot of healing items. MP is not renewable in the way it normally would be. So like you really have to know your layout first. And it, it retrains you, I think, how to play the game a bit differently. No, without a doubt. Like that's how I learned that like all these characters play differently. It's like, okay, I have to be fast. Like I I have to make sure I do as much damage all the time before like, you know, so he can't attack back or, you know, an enemy can't stun me or put the spell on me and shit. I loved hard mode in that game. I thought it was so fun. Uh, a couple months ago, I had a friend over and we were just like dicking around playing games. And I was like, I don't know why, but I want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake right now. And I was on the last chapter in hard mode. And boy, oh boy, did that last chapter just bend me over, man. Like it, it served me that sephiroth fight was so fucking hard to me um i felt like i had to like perfect it and just like not cheese it but like just beat sephiroth into an inch of his life is the best way i could you know yeah i loved it oh that fight is particularly challenging um there there is a way to kind of like cheat it a little bit i don't know if you ever got that that one item I think it's called like the the Goddard Damarung or something. Oh, where um... the accessory that lets you like quickly charge your limit break, so you can kind of yeah, use yeah. it like sequentially in battle. So that that definitely helped me get through that last fight on um, on hard mode. I think I had it equipped on Tifa for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, because Tifa's I... best girl. That's why. Man, she is. <laughs> uh, uh, I, her um... dolphin fury thing is so cool. Oh Love my it. god. So she's like one of my favorite characters to, to play as where like I'll set up attacks with Cloud, I'll do kind of like the the Punisher um, operator alternation, which I think is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. it reminds me of kind of like the the Ravager and something I forget the other one from Commando. From, Commando, yeah, from Final Fantasy thirteen where you can quickly build the stagger and then go yeah. in for heavy attacks. So I would set up a lot of my stuff with him and then alternate to Tifa, get in with some like somersaults, some dolphin flurry, and just like rain hell. Like the shooting star attack, like I could just watch that animation and watch her. I love that animation so much. Yeah, it's so good. Oh my god. Yeah, she's she's by and large like one of my favorite characters to play as. And then Aerith is one as well over time where I don't think they like build her out to be amazing at first. Um, it's definitely one of those player kits that grows with you over time and i think when you Mm -hmm. finally get to um the coliseum and and wall market and it's just you and cloud like or just cloud and Aerith fighting together at that point like she kind of gets some of her better abilities and you feel kind of a bit more in command with her yeah i love how you have to like master the weapons too and then you learn their abilities and you can like learn you can use them with other weapons all the time and stuff i love that i thought it was so cool yeah, I think that's a, that was a smart thing. I don't remember if the original game does that to where you can like learn abilities and keep them over time. Yeah. Um, 
somebody correct us if we're wrong but <laughs> i uh, i definitely appreciate that like i can learn the full spec of a, a weapon and then just kind of move on to something i prefer mm-hmm. um the i think my favorite two to play as are, are tifa and barrett i know barrett's like kind of more boring to play as because he kind of just stands there and shoots mm-hmm. but some of his abilities are so fun like his maximum i think it's called maximum for fury fury yeah where he just like unloads like i love that ability it's so cool and like i've that ability has helped me in some boss fights so much because it just like i pack all the strength um accessories on the bear just so he can do like just more damage every shot and he just plows through people with that ability i love it so much and then like you said like tifa is just so good at dealing damage at such a fast pace and her abilities are so fun. And I remember in one of the early trailers, they had it so it looked like Tifa and Cloud were like playing off each other with their abilities. And I thought that was cool. But then the devs were like, no, they're it's just you know, it's just the way the cameras. Uh, okay. And then in in this new intergrade with Yuffie, they do do that. They the developer said in an interview that you can do comboed moves with Yuffie and the other guy so that they can like attack together and shit. And I was like, man, I -hmm. hope that's like a thing in future games where it's like, you can do move, like you can use your ATB gods to do stuff with like cloud and Tifa at the same time. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That'd be awesome. It reminds me of like, um, those showtime moves from persona five where it's like, you can come together and do like an ultimate finisher. Yeah. um, Which I'm, I'm super into that idea. I think it, it might be easier for them to manage on like, micro levels with characters that you don't play as because mm-hmm. like you only play as yuffie in that in the integrated chapter and That's that true. other character is just kind of like there much like red 13 is in the latter part mm-hmm. of the game um which i guess that's one way to balance it um but i i would like to see him evolve it over time because like they have two challenges ahead of themselves i think with the later installments of either keeping the combat exactly the same and just keeping people satisfied or tweaking it and evolving it and i think that's it's smart to do that you know obviously like there's a lot of it that's perfect you don't need to change like how the material system works you don't need to change how like the swapping between characters works but Mm -hmm. you know have it so your characters especially having been with them for like you know one game two games three games make them play off of each other a little bit more i think that would um be smart that'd be so cool because like a big part of the story right is like even with cloud and barrett it's like you watch their relationship evolve and you see Mm -hmm. barrett kind of respect cloud more be cool if that was emphasized in battle where they're like yo let's do this cool ass move together um, yeah that, that would be pretty neat where it's like you do something like maybe you, you save there in the moment and it like gives him like 50 hp or like kind of a deep like a defense buff that he wouldn't otherwise have or something like that mm-hmm. or you get to do a special move but that i think we're thinking like really hard into like that stuff that <laughs> they'll probably not do but it would it would be neat to see it yeah oh, man i i pray to god they like honestly don't touch like much with this the second game like i think the combat system is just perfect and the material system and the weapons and Mm -hmm. everything i love it so much obviously i just want improvements like more moves more Mm -hmm. items more weapons stuff like that yeah i i'm kind of the same way um and it's it'll be interesting right like because you know the second installment's gonna happen and it's like are they going to start us over? Is there going to be like a save import thing where we get to carry our stuff like over mm-hmm. from the next game or from the first game to the next? Um, 
because it, it might be frustrating for some people to have to like rebuild your character every time but i think like i don't know <laughs> it would be cool if they can figure out a way to like have a system in place where it's like cool i only had six weapons in the first game give me six more in the next and the next and mm -hmm. then like i can have a full suite that i can really work off of um but if they decide to just keep all the stuff you had in place make you build yourself up again i wouldn't be too mad about it um, i think i just go ahead because they capped the level at 50 i think that's what they'll do to be honest that's just like my insight on it Mm -hmm. because you could only reach level 50 in the first game it's like yeah. why would they do that like they must like want to keep that momentum forward with your characters mm -hmm. that's what i would do that's just you know i don't know yeah. i i want to see how they kind of play with the combat in other environments and arenas because a lot of like what you're playing in is like smaller areas corridors mm -hmm. but like I want to see what like a, a fight out in the open world looks like. How do round like random encounters look, if if at all? Is it going to be that same approach where it's like I see an enemy, I can just go up and punch him and then walk away? Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of potential there. I think. Speaking of changes, like, what do you think of the changes in this game to the story? Because you uh, played a, a lot of the a lot more of the original than I did. Yeah. Um. I think the additive stuff, like, is amazing, right? You have a whole chapter, like you said earlier, where you go see Jesse's family. You have this mm -hmm. motorcycle fight with a, a, a soldier third class named Roche, who was not originally in the game. Mm -hmm. You have all these, like, crazy kinetic moments that weren't there before. Um, and I think they they work because they pull your eyes and heart in really weird ways, where it's like, oh, okay, you flesh out these characters, and the the weight of of their presence matters i mean even getting like a one-off character like roche coming in just causing havoc just for havoc's sake and just wanting to play off a cloud is really fun um mm -hmm. and you i think you have to find ways to kind of expand what is a six-hour game essentially uh into a 40-hour <laughs> experience but i think a lot of what works for me that they expanded on was the character stuff like those conversations those moments with characters that you didn't otherwise get like i mean tifa cloud right they have a lineage like they're childhood friends there's kind of a, a will they won't they love aspect of it but this game like builds on their relationship in like really clever ways mm -hmm. um and i i love all the additions of that um all the additive stuff with like Aerith is is really great um now if you're asking like how i feel about like the attempts at alternations um i like it because like what what do you what do you do with the remake right do you do a one-for-one one or, or do you subvert expectations and i think they did the one-for-one one moments where they needed to and then when they wanted to flip it up they did it in clever ways um i don't think it's a cop-out to have like these these whispers as kind of like a, a plot device because i think mm -hmm. they're gonna use them in in ways that change the whole nature of what the next games are moving forward I felt like with the end is, is like the end, the whispers aren't going to be in the future of the games because they kind of controlled mm -hmm. fate and they tried to keep the original lineage of, of the original game. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they destroyed the arbiters of fate at the end. So they're not there anymore. So mm -hmm. I felt like they were only a plot device for the first game, mm -hmm. but who the fuck knows? Like who, who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. 
with, with Namura, like who really knows what what's gonna happen next? Well, that's it's it's interesting now because like <laughs> they said he's not gonna be the main director of the second game now. He's only that's gonna right. be creative director, or supervisor, or something like. I don't know. It um. The because I I don't have any relationship with the original game the mm-hmm. the changes are exciting to me like it's super cool and mm-hmm. i like how you know the the titles final fantasy 7 remake is kind of literal like they're literally remaking the continuity of the games mm-hmm. and it's like is this a remake is this kind of like a sequel in a sense because at certain parts of this game they kind of some characters kind of acknowledge that they <laughs> know what's happening and what's going on and yeah. the events of the first game it's really you, fucking cool in my opinion yeah. i think it's awesome yeah you have characters like Aerith and red 13 kind of breaking the the fourth wall with that a bit um and i i think i'm i'm right there with you it's like it's yeah it's it's a remake but it's also a sequel to the the lineage of everything that encompasses final fantasy 7 right like because there's moments that feel like these crisis core payoffs um there's the stuff with zach that like wasn't there quite like it is in this game and i I love that we got those those moments even if they were bewildering um to kind of know where they're gonna go with them (laughs) like that end moment where you see this kind of alternate timeline and and zach's there with like a, a different like that uh it's like a poster of stamp that shows up and it shows a different type of dog mm-hmm. altogether and i'm just like yeah they're they're playing with like new ideas here um and it's, it's what, neat. what boggles my mind is like okay that is an alternate timeline but like is cloud alive in the in this game like mm-hmm. in this timeline like what is going on like how why would they show that what did like why would they show a different timeline for no reason how is that going to affect the next game how's it going to affect his character like mm-hmm. That's what I love about this game so much is like you can talk about it with people. There's so much speculation going forward. There's there's so much analysis. There's deep dives, like stuff like that. You can still engage with it after it's done because of the writing and, and the way they went with the story. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll flat out say I have never played a Kingdom Hearts game and I never mm. will. <laughs> <laughs> I know people like that's super controversial. I don't like the super open-endedness of it i don't mm-hmm. like the jumble of plot i don't like um how do i say this the themes how bonkers and nonsense yeah like <laughs> uh i can't think of the word the world does not have defined edges there's no strict mm-hmm. rules to the way kingdom hearts works you know mm-hmm. one of the things the one line in any medium tv show anime video games i fucking hate is power of friendship you know and that's like all kingdom hearts man it's all about power it's all about friendship it's all about your heart yeah yeah it's like you know the heart and it's like but what does that mean please tell me like what does that mean like you know in anime when people just like they're fucking losing super hard and then they're just like ah power of friendship and they like punch the villain and he's dead it's like but that what that goes against like all the writing all like the world building like if you can just power a friendship your way through shit (laughs) 
Why aren't you doing that every time? Friendship is the most powerful MacGuffin a, a downed hero could have. It gives them like super saiyan like strength to fight back and persevere. Um, I don't know about you, Sterling, but I've I've been empowered by friendship many times. So I don't know. We got to get you on that level. <laughs> lame <laughs> I, i'll say like some of the the themes of like kingdom hearts one that get set up like those themes of like light and dark friendship all that stuff it's cute in the first iteration i don't think it carries over to the later installments in a way that like holds the same weight and i definitely think the game over time loses a lot of its footing because it tries to do so many congruous parallel stories and i don't know the the character development stuff it's just so all over the place um but i still love it it's a stupid franchise but i, I love kingdom hearts but <laughs> I'm I, just... I think like this game definitely has far more cohesion in in its out there-ness that makes it work yeah i'm just i'm worried like i'm very cautious going forward i'm worried that it's gonna get a bit more outlandish because mm-hmm. i just don't trust Nomura that much but <laughs> at the same time like this you know, Final Fantasy VII's already there. The story and plot mm-hmm. and characters are already there. And maybe, you know, he has to rein it in a bit. And like we said, he's not going to be the main director anymore. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But I I think in the first game so far, it's done very, very well. Like even, even stuff like where um, – Sephiroth says to Cloud, like, oh, there's only seven seconds till the end. It's like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, why are you saying this? Like, or times when Aerith alludes to, like, knowing that she knows what's going on. It's like, what do you know? Like, what exactly is happening here? How do you know? What does that mm-hmm. mean? Like, uh, how does Red 13 understand the visions he's seeing and shit? Like, it's so cool to talk about. You're you're familiar with um, Obelisk, right? That that gaming site. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Michaela, who goes by Red Mod on Twitter, did a really cool deep dive on the Final Fantasy VII remake, like ending and theories, and she poses like a lot of like really interesting kind of points and and, and speculations for like what all of it is setting up to, to mean in the end. So go check it out. It's I think over like close to a year old at this point. No, but I'll definitely it, check it out. That's it was awesome. called uh, Final Fantasy VII Remakes Ending Explain R is for Reunion. So check that out. It's pretty. It's a good read for someone no, I, who I, really loves the series. I know a lot of people who work at Obelisk. I love. I love their site. I was, um, I was gonna work for them once, but uh, I think I just got my job at Twinfinite at the time. So mm. good people. Um. It it is interesting though to see these characters kind of reference events that haven't happened to them yet and it mm-hmm. makes me me wonder in in essence like you know especially with somebody like Sephiroth who's kind of coming in kind of predicting and foreseeing stuff that like we don't know as as characters but we know as players um and it makes me wonder is like oh is that like a different Sephiroth from like the future is he from a different timeline you know there's this theory that like is he like you know that the end game setup where you have the Thanos who died yeah. and you have the Thanos from the past who's basically trying to like make yeah. sure he doesn't fail again. There's a lot of thought that that's kind of like mm-hmm. what this Sephiroth is, kind of like putting up the pawns and just making sure he doesn't fail again because that's ultimately what happens at the the end of the original game. But but that's the thing but it's we shall like see. um with 
you know, in the original game, it's the one of the greatest video game rivalries is Cloud versus Sephiroth. But with this, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like Aerith is is the one going toe to toe with them. You know what I mean? Like she knows what's up, and oh, yeah. at certain points near the end of the game, it kind of feels like they're the ones duking it out. In a sense, it's real. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I it's really cool. Like I know Cloud and him are still the main rivals, and like. Um, they still have like the, mm-hmm. the long relationship and, and stuff, but it's super cool. Like Sephiroth is such an ominous and mysterious dude. And this remake just goes full into that, right? Like he's, he's just always there. He's always looming the idea of, um, the, you know, this, this remake really gives no, doesn't give him anything, any backstory, any characterization. He's just there. Like you just know he's the villain because he's fucking Sephiroth. Like he's he's the yeah. greatest video game villain of all time. Yeah. You know? Like it's it's interesting because like, like the initial areas of Midgar, like you don't see him like this at all. <laughs> you see no. like maybe flashbacks of him through like, you know, um Cloud having bad make Mako memories. <laughs> but you don't like see him in the in the flesh or have this kind of like pit for pat for him uh until like kind of the very end of the the that section of the game um so it's cool to see them build him up in a way but even like you said like we still don't really know anything about him you know we know that he's obviously going to be this main antagonist but like what's his deal right well just imagine you went into that game like mm-hmm. completely blind like you knew nothing of the series nothing of the original game like for 35 hours <laughs> he just shows up Nobody really yeah. tells you who he is, their relationship with him. He's just there, and he's, like, fucking with Cloud. And you're never quite sure if he's um, actually there, because, like, a lot of... <laughs> no, I, w- I was just gonna say that. Like, that's such... That's, like, the best part about him is, like, is he even there? Like, even when other characters acknowledge him, <laughs> is he even there? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand... Uh, if you beat him, like, does that even do anything? Is fighting him, is there any purpose? Like, he, he's just this... He's like a ghost. It's cool. It's I don't know. I find it so fascinating. I think this game does such a good job of laying the groundwork and making you want to, like, discover more about these mm-hmm. characters and their past and their relationships with each other. Because even stuff like you said with Cloud and Tifa's relationship, you really don't know anything about it. There's a flashback of yeah, them and little and, a cowboy you know, hat a bunch. it's alluded that they, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they grow up, but the, the game has yet to explain mm-hmm. that it's, you know, even just small stuff like why is bear a single parent? Yeah. What happened to his arm? Like shit like that. The, this game does great groundwork in my opinion. There's so many like smaller moments that I will just let the camera hang on. Like I, I got to, I think it was the the end of chapter three where Barrett gives you your money and he decides that he's done with you. And he's like, all right, cool. Merc for hire. Like, right. That's that's all you're going to do. So bye. And they're setting up their next mission. And Tifa's like, sorry, I got to hang out with like the gang. And if you sit at the bar for a little bit, you get to just like listen in on all of their conversations and like just the, the subtlety of writing that like fleshes out like the history of them together as avalanche and as friends is really cool and special and mm-hmm. like there's so many moments that if you just linger and let the dialogue play out they pay off and i don't i don't see a lot of games doing that anymore 
I like just walking around the slums and stuff mm-hmm. and you get to hear like people's commentary on the shit that's happened mm-hmm. in the game like after the bombing some people are like oh avalanche are terrorists they suck yeah. blah, blah blah then some people are like oh I hope like Bear and Tifa are okay and shit like they know um or even interacting with some people like they they um some people are like Shinra employees some people <laughs> live on the upper plate or in the slums like I don't know it was just cool like you said it's it's a lot of world building and that's subtle mm-hmm. there's uh this interaction with like a a Shinra middle manager on on the train and like I think it's yeah, the yeah, first yeah. or second chapter and like he's all like I don't agree with what these terrorists are doing and then you have like a later encounter with him again and he sees this kind of turn where like Tifa's trying to help them and mm-hmm. he's like but wait no you're Avalanche you, you're the bad guys you want to you kill us you want to hurt us and she's like no I want to save you like go like help these people and it's just kind of the the subtlety and roundabout character work that's done there where it's like there's there's so much dimension to every moment to every interaction and the fact that we got to pay off with a shinra middle manager chapters later like it shouldn't have happened but like the fact that they put it in there made it meaningful (laughs) it's so good no there's there's tons of stuff like that right like even smaller characters like the oh what's that guy's name he's like obsessed with tifa um he has the red oh, johnny johnny yeah. Johnny? Yeah, johnny. <laughs> yeah yeah stuff like that or uh marl i think like tifa's landlord mm-hmm. like she appears more throughout the game um you know uh wedge biggs and jesse are fleshed out so much even oh that that's one of my favorite parts about the changes is how um you know at the end it shows that biggs and and jesse are or Biggs is alive and it alludes to Jesse being alive, mm-hmm. but then you don't know if Wedge survived because off camera you hear him fall out a window. Yeah. It's like it's like, oh man. And then when they showed that trailer for Interlude, I didn't know it was like in the middle of the first game, so I thought it shows like Biggs and Wedge again. I was like, oh, they're both like alive and fine. I was like, oh shit, this is just in the middle of the first remake game, like I thought they were going to be fine. Yeah, it made me hopeful for a, mi- a minute too, but I'm just like, oh, I guess this makes sense. This is how you would have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, or he, and and you know, Biggs is lying back in the orphanage, and it's alluded that like he grew up there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I just thought those little touches were so so cool. That that whole passage of the game, like that middle area from like where you meet T- uh, Aerith and on where you get to kind of go to i think it's like sector five or sector six and you go to like mm-hmm. the school and you go to like eris's house and you meet her mom and then all the other characters meet her and there's just like so much like subtlety in the character work there that like wasn't in the original either um and it's just like you want to live in those moments forever just because of how well done there they are in terms of like the writing and the character work and like not to mention the voice actors they bring so much to the table like oh man amazing I love the guy who voices Barrett. It's so funny. I've like I've seen some videos of him in person doing the voice, and like he he just does it so effortlessly. Mm. Like he just breaks right into it, and his voice it like his voice is so like Black Pastor Barrett. Like he's so <laughs> like he's like you know preaching all the time. I love it. I think it's so awesome. Yeah, they um, killed it. Even with some of like the the minor characters, like looking through like the Turks, like uh, Juno, uh, not Juno, sorry, Reno, Rude, uh, saying, 
and then like some of the Shinra people where it's like I don't like you at all but I like the the character delivery that's happening here based off yeah. the, the voice actor in the script so they they nail it through I think through. who's who's the guy with the spiky red hair is that is that rude no uh Reno yeah yeah his boss fight was so cool I love the way he like moved and stuff and he had like the little baton but cloud has like the huge ass sword and they're mm-hmm. just like going at it that was a fun fun boss fight the uh, the boss wanna... fights in this game to me are like dark souls like they thank you yeah they have to <laughs> you have to like bring such different skills and fight them so differently in each fight i love it so much but it also kind of throws back to like old final fantasy games as well where it's like you can't always kind of spam the same attacks you have to think about your loadout and yeah you can't just throw like like, powerful spells at them all the time yeah like hey can i like debuff this character can i put them to sleep can i poison them you know Mm -hmm. like what's gonna work best with them one of my favorite aspects of like the the rufus fight later on it's like it's a challenging fight but like you can put him to sleep you can yeah it's really what? like yeah it's like such a little like cheap trick but I it's otherwise like a really difficult that. fight <laughs> that would have helped so much in hard mode that's yeah. what i was gonna say like boss fights in hard mode are elevated so much more it's so great like i wish um what? sorry go ahead oh i was gonna ask you what were your favorite boss fights man i don't even know uh hell hell house was super fun that was just like a wacky like fun felt like a a very like good throwback to the to the original game it again hard as hell on on hard mode god there's so many good ones there's so many in general right like each Mm -hmm. chapter i was like two or three uh the rufus boss fight was super fun i thought the scorpion sentinel was probably one of the best like introductory boss fights of any video game because like it shows you how to use the environment. It shows you um, attacking different body parts. Why you should use different spells. Why you should switch between characters and how they play. Like, I just thought it was super tight. Almost like, in my opinion, I think Zelda games are probably the best when it comes to tutorials and teaching the player how to use its mechanics. Mm-hmm. But that boss fight like rivals a Zelda game with teaching you how to play that game and, and interact with its combat system. Yeah, Ooh. I think it's it's really smart in design and it, the way it intros a lot of its like tutorial moments in combat, it is easy to pick up if you're a newcomer to that style of game, the franchise, or are familiar with it. And it really lays the building blocks like every step of the way for you being a master of the combat system. Um, and then when those fights do come along that just kind of whip your ass a bit it's like wow i thought i knew everything now i gotta re-strategize but like the the airbuster fight is oh my god yeah yeah that like whooped my ass a few times and it was that hard in the original too where it's like you have to kind of find a way to like pincer attack it and be super strategic but i think they did a great job at that like when that theme kicks in on top of that fight i'm like let's go this is hype oh so well done um i would say like a lot of the fights in in the middle and latter parts of the game are are definitely my favorite though i i can't believe i'm having such trouble remembering the bosses i wrote a whole article ranking them all (laughs) but yeah it's um, tough dude it's like a 40 hour game and like you play so many games like day to day for your work and it's for as much of a game that you want it to stay with you forever it's just like you only have brain space for so much yeah i can't remember everything man yeah, that's why I had to like replay it, and then I, I rewatched like a few videos about it as well, just to kind of like fresh up. 
because I'm like, this is Final Fantasy VII Remake. I don't want to forget the good stuff. <laughs> Something I love about Final Fantasy games is they're so cutscene heavy that like, if you want to refresh on the game but you don't want to play the 40 hours, just watch mm-hmm. uh, you know, a movie on on YouTube of all the cutscenes and shit. I do that with Final Fantasy 13 every now and then. It's like a (laughs) fucking 13 hour movie, but you know, I imagine you like, whenever you have a hard day, you're just like, I'm going to rewatch that grand pulse scene where they come in for the first time (laughs) or like just all these triumphant moments. That game is so pretty, man. There's so much color to it. Whereas like Final Fantasy seven is kind of, um, like steampunky very yeah drab metallic like uh archaic like final fantasy 13 has so much color and Mm. diversity and i just love it i love both again um not really knacking one design choice over the other it's just the Mm. difference is so well i think to me final fantasy 7 has more of a theme a more like atmospheric feel to it that's Mm -hmm. that's more congruent through the whole game but uh so so good well, it's tough too, like when you're contained in the same area for the entire game, because there's like so much else beyond that, like yeah. the open world. When you go to these other areas where you go to like Nibelheim, you go to the the Golden Saucer, Cosmo Canyon, and there are a lot of like really bright, cool color palettes throughout like all those other areas. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there eventually. It's just having to look up at like the steel skyscrapers of, of the plates and everything. It just, it gets a little kind of monochrome with its... Um, kind of graphics and and um presentation but i still like it it's still impressive to just kind of look up and just see like the plates looming and see everything kind of going on in the background mm-hmm. man you said steel sky and it brought me back to that line from Aerith at the end of the game i think she says i can't remember if she says i i really hate the steel sky or if she says i really miss it it's uh, i'll really miss that steel sky yeah yeah it's like what it's- do you mean like you'll miss Midgar like because you're traveling like what does that mean you know ugh, I just love it I, lo- I love thinking about it so much it gets me excited and like when she says it too that full band version of the hollows starts playing and it just like it all like comes together in this moment where it's like oh this is the end but also this is the beginning of like so much more I heard somewhere that hollow the lyrics are supposed to be read from Cloud's point of view I don't know if that's true, but if you if you read the lyrics, I could see why that would be like it. It, it very much does sound like Cloud's point of view, because the game was or the 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 song was written for this game, right? Or am I wrong? Um, it was definitely like expanded on. I I'm not sure if that theme that plays like when you go through. Uh, the slum that Aerith lives in was originally there. Um, there might have been like a, a minor theme that was borrowed from it and then kind of put into a bigger song, but like definitely like that whole vocal yeah. range. But yeah, all I just thought it was new. super cool because it, it. I'm reading the lyrics now and it sounds like um, Cloud is kind of talking to Aerith a, a bit, which is you know their relationship is a big big part of this game. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about you know the faded death scene do you think it's gonna happen oh man would it be a cop-out to not do it i i feel like um they should commit to it because that that scene is really just kind of like the catapult for for kind of like the last like acts of the game um i don't want it to happen because like 
in, in the 40 hours to 80 hours to 100 hours that I spent in, in Final Fantasy VII Remake, I fell in love with Aerith Gainsborough, and, you know, I don't want to see her get <laughs> killed, but I think it to finally get to that moment where she maybe accepts her fate and knows it has to be that way all along mm-hmm. would be beautiful and sad and would be poetic in ways. Um, I I hope it's kind of like that from her perspective. Like, she knows mm-hmm. it's going to happen and she just kind of quietly accepts it accepts it yeah but i hope we get a bit more emotional response from cloud like i hope he kind of des like you get to see some like true desperation from him as he tries Mm -hmm. to save her you know what i mean like he finally gets like very emotional and very like i think desperation isn't an emotion that's that's captured enough in storytelling like true Mm -hmm. like heartbreaking desperation you know like somebody dies or they're about to die and 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 you know ugly crying screaming like shit like that i yeah i think a lot of people are kind of scared to go there and i hope we see that a little bit i hope it does happen i think we saw a lot of that in the last of us part two yes Um, yeah yeah yeah. that's what i mean revenge field version of of love and the places people will go um i don't know if final fantasy 7 remake part two (laughs) or part three is going to write it quite the same way but I hope by the time we get to that point, Cloud is more three-dimensional. Because, like, he he starts the game and he's kind of a jerk. He's kind of one-note. He's kind of, like, he just has, like, one-off, like, remarks or lines. And he seems, like, very shut in. Mm-hmm. But it's over time as he interacts with, like, you know, the crew more that he opens up and he becomes more dimensional. And I hope we get that sort of payoff where it's, like, you see him care for her and you see the ultimate kind of, like, like you said, desperation and, and drive to want to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, headcanon. I hope Aerith pulls out a chair and just parries Seth Roth <laughs> and just like pummels him with it. Like, you know. I like how that's like everyone knows what that means now. Like it's so <laughs> that's so, so funny. good. <laughs> that whole scene is like just so much fun. <laughs> and seeing her like smash him. Oh man! But is, yeah, is, I th- is Corneo alive? Is he gonna show up again? I love his character. He's so funny, man. So yeah, he shows up in, in some in some later segments okay. of, of the game for sure. Um, I don't remember if he shows up again in like the the golden saucer, but I I love the way they fleshed him out. They made him so slimy and unctuous, and yeah. like you, you want to just like tear him down. My God, <clears throat> yeah. There there's a lot to look forward to. I know there's like a lot of moments that are kind of like silly that like you know it'd be fun to see him do. Like I'm sure you've seen the scene where like. Sephiroth throws a materia at Cloud's head and just like Superman flies by him. Um, <laughs> there's a scene where like Tifa and, and Scarlet get into like a, a fist fight, slap fight sort of deal. Mm-hmm. You have a scene where you know Red Thirteen is like upright in a sailor outfit. So like there there are these moments that like could translate really well if they kind of go into them. Um, and I hope I hope they get it because it would just be like fun little fan nods. I um, I think they will. To be honest, I think the first game did a good job of sometimes like not taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, when you have um, Cloud doing a full-on like a burlesque show for Lady oh. Andrea, like you, <laughs> the Honey Bee Inn stuff was so good. It was fun too. Like they incorporated actual gameplay oh. and like button pressing and dancing. It was so cool. At it's first, I thought it was gonna be cringy, but it was so much fun. No, it's one of my favorite moments in the game. It's <laughs> it's over the top. It's it's charming, <laughs> and. Um, 
I mean, a lot of the wall market stuff is kind of like that too, where it's like, there's little silly things here, you know, whether it's cloud getting a hand massage to the point of like orgasm or stuff like that, or, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's fun. And that's the thing about this game. It just, it has charm through and through. I think it's probably like the most like charming and endearing final fantasy and mm-hmm. all of its approach and character work and moments in between, you know, I can't praise that enough about it. What do you, um, I think what's interesting because with the PS5 like integrated version and they're introducing Yuffie, mm-hmm. like, what are they going to do with her character in the next game? Like, like, are we going to have optional characters? Are they going to be fleshed out? Is she going to join the parties? Like, I don't know what they're going to do per se. Well, I guess hmm. she's not part of the party, right? Because the interlude is, or inter- is it integrate or interlude? Intergrade, right? It's integrate. Yeah, yeah. It's set it, like in the middle of the story, right? So she obviously. I think it runs congruent to where um, Cloud falls off. Yeah, from, yeah. Like, and is Maka with Reactor Aerith, right? Five. Yeah, and with Aerith, and then he's not with uh, the the crew back in like Seventh Heaven. So. So, do you think these characters are going to be optional, or what's what's the deal? Like, I hope not. Um, I. I also hope they don't do the thing where they segment them in weird ways. Um, I think it's a smart idea to reuse assets and have kind of like character intros that like can kind of run congruent to the story that you already played. Like, okay, get familiar with Yuffie and then maybe somewhere in the second game or third game we encounter her again and she could be a a playable character with us. Um, Because, I mean, there's, I think, eight characters in total that you play through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I... To, to have her playable in a full extent in like this kind of interstitial title and have her work for people, it would drop the ball completely if she was optional. So I think they need to commit to like giving you a full cast of characters, but I think you're going to have that same sort of segmentation like this game did, where it's like you're probably really going to be on these like linear segments where it's like, I have these three predestined characters, you know, maybe towards the end where it opens up a bit more, then you have more agency, but I, I mean... I hope we get like a full intro to like a character like Vincent Valentine too, you know? Yeah. I feel like their, you know, willingness to expand upon stuff so much. I think they will just make them fully mm-hmm. playable and give them, you know, fleshed out stories and characterization and relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to play as red 13, to be honest. I, um, oh my God. It's very understandable that you can play him in the first game, but mm-hmm. I can't wait to, even like where is he going to put his materia is it going to be like does he have like a collar or something i don't know it's cool Ooh, maybe they give him like a sash or something yeah yeah um and and because the characters play so uniquely like i can't wait to experience that uniqueness with characters like red mm-hmm. 13 and vincent and and um even like kate sith like how the fuck is that character gonna work <laughs> like, i don't understand it at all I, di- I didn't even know he was a character until that cutscene where the plate falls and like the little yep. cat is like no <laughs> bounding it yeah pounding his fist into the earth and screaming to the heavens i literally paused it threw my controller down and google i was like what the fuck is this cat thing like <laughs> and they're like because you know i was like final fantasy 7 remake cat thing and they're like probably kate sith and i was like yeah who the fuck is kate sith <laughs> like, yep. i did not understand i was like oh he's gonna be a playable character and he's gonna be like He's like, what is he like a robot of that guy who works for Shinra or something? Like, yeah, I, I don't. That, that's what it is. Um, it's basically that like Reeve controls this like 
mechanized moogle that kate sith is on top of it's yeah like, like i don't know kind of like a mechanized like puppet <laughs> but or like kind of like anthropomorphic but he's he's still a robot but there are some scenes where like he has a bit more agency where it's like is he you know does he have his own self-agency but mm-hmm. um i i like it it's it's especially crazy because you have this big like really heavy moment of, of gravity and this cat shows up with a crown <laughs> yeah th- i it was just so odd yeah like, why wouldn't they just... I don't know. I guess they couldn't just show Reeve because he's... He works for Shinra, but throughout the first yeah. game, like, you can tell he's very against what is going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should have just showed him. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll get a payoff moment with that, for oh, sure. Oh, it, it was very much like laying the groundwork. Like, I understand yeah. why they did it. It just, you know, it felt a little goofy. It was, it was one of those <laughs> things where it's like, okay, this is definitely goofy in a weird moment. For, for you and a lot of unsuspecting people who didn't know that character, yeah. I'm sure it was that way. For me, I loved it. I ate it up, and I'm like, holy I, shit, that's Gate Sith. I just thought it was comical, like, how, like, literally yeah. fast I threw down my controller and Googled, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I, I hope because, like, we have these kind of other characters that are laying away. We have Sid, you know, Kate Sith, Yuffie, Vincent. I'm so excited um, for Vincent. Red 13. He's, he's going to be so cool. He's going to be very cool. And, I mean, getting him in the first game, like, you can entirely miss him just because of, the like, the the nature of, like, the sequencing of puzzles you have to do to get him in the mansion and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you get him, it's, like, he's so OP. But I would love to have an episode where you dive into, like, his, his background as, as a character that was experimented on, you know, by Shinra. Like, that, uh, be- that's fascinating. Because um, a lot of these characters are optional in the original, um... Mm-hmm. Do they have as much like characterization or relationships or backstory as the other characters like Tifa and Bear and Aerith? Um, not not really. I mean, there's only two optional characters. It's just Yuffie and, and Vincent. Um, yeah. Sid, Red Thirteen, and Kate Sith all come to you kind of organically through the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if if you miss it, you that character interaction is definitely not there, <laughs> but. Um, when you have them in your party, like you, you grow with them in the same way. I think the dialogue exchanges are, are pretty, they're there, you know? Um, do they like it, en- engage with the story or plot as much or like they're just kind of there? You have kind of, um, you have side missions for some of them. Like after you get Yuffie, there's a part where you go back to like, I, I don't remember if it's like the city of Wutai, but like where she's from and you can do kind of like an extra mission with her um they kind of just show up in, in like your party like for like major scenes and stuff but it's like you know they're either there or they're not for it it's it's not like they're in cut scenes or anything so yeah I, I definitely think this game is gonna have to make it they're gonna it's not gonna be optional mm-hmm. i think that's what, what do you want to see from like these next installments however many we get like story-wise or mechanics or whatever 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 sterling silver sees <laughs> in his heart that apparently he doesn't have because it's not emboldened by friendship <laughs> i just hope again i hope the the fighting and combat mechanics stay exactly the same they're just built upon a little bit mm-hmm. and they kind of figure out how they're gonna do stuff with the material like uh the material in the original game is there a lot more than what we've gotten so far do you know yeah, there's there's definitely other stuff that you get. There's like um, there's holy. There's um, a bunch of summon materials and, and stuff that we obviously haven't been exposed to because there's a lot more summons in the game other than the the six that we get in this kind of opening 
teaser of the full experience. So yeah, there, there's definitely more to come. I'd say. Fat Chocobo for life, man. Fat I'm Chocobo telling. for life. <laughs> it's such a good summon to get. I love it. Oh my god. I I fought him a couple times before we recorded just because it's just fun. It's just a good. It's it's an easy boss fight and it's just funny. Yeah, um, getting like the stagger out for him is just like, it's so easy to do if you know how to do it right and. Um, I, I wanted to play through like all the summon fights as well. I just went for the hardest one. I was like, let me fight Bahamut. And then I only went in with two people, so I got demolished. Damn. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else would I want, though? I, I really hope that the all like all of Final Fantasy VII Remake is just three parts. I hope it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, the first part's big, and then the second part's a bit smaller, and then the next part's a bit smaller, and then the next part's huge, and then the next one's a bit small. Like, I hope it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that they don't expand into other mediums like Kingdom Hearts does. I really, yeah. really hope they don't do that. Um, yeah, if you're gonna do like other mediums and like kind of in between titles and things like you're doing right now with things like uh, Ever Crisis and stuff like that, let those be the one-offs, right? But if you're gonna serve us this story, serve it to us right. You know, give it some fanfare, give it the respect it deserves. Cause like I don't want to have to like scramble to like you know watch YouTube videos or yeah. play a mobile game to understand the full story of like what the vision is here. It shouldn't be that way. <laughs> I I want I want the optional content to just be fleshed out a bit more and have mm-hmm. like good side stories and be more involved with the side characters. Like I I want characters to like have their own moments and relationships within each other. Like. Uh, I want to see the relationship between like Red 13 and Bear grow more because in the first game they're like very sarcastic with each other. Yeah. <laughs> like Red is very sarcastic and Barrett's kind of like heard about it and he's like, hey, like don't like don't say that shit about me. <laughs> um, like I, I want to see what Cloud and Yuffie would act like with each other or Sid and Tifa, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm uh the coliseum missions and, and the shinner stuff is super cool i hope we see more of that mm-hmm. and just like super oh, yeah, w- well thought out and um diverse set pieces and and geography and world building is super cool uh, i'll tell you what man you're you're in for a treat like you have so many other areas that this game is potentially able to go to right because mm-hmm. it's like that you're seeing such a small scale of it there's so many like locales and areas um and it, it would be cool if like you go to like a smaller place and maybe do like a few side missions and then move on to the next thing um or like if there's optional stuff um i could see them definitely padding out some of it in terms of like side quests like oh let's do beast hunts or you know let's do favors for you know people in this like town here or here <laughs> um and i wouldn't be mad about it um it would definitely serve the world and experience and give me more time to just be in it. More Final Fantasy is never a bad thing for me. Exactly. Spot so, on. Yeah. What what, so, what about you? Do you have anything you really want in the end or Um I I trust in the journey. I'm going to say at this point where whatever they want to serve me, I'm I'm all in for it. Um I'm like you where I definitely want these bigger expanded moments for these really cool beloved characters i hope we get to um, see more of zach to be honest like a lot more kind of yeah i i wouldn't mind like playable segments with him um because i think they're definitely gonna play him up either more in this game or maybe give him like his own installment mm-hmm. 
It'd be pretty crazy if they, uh, like, remade, um, what was the game that he was in? Shit. Was Crisis it Crisis Core? Core? No, that was, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm all about that. Like, I just want to see more of him as well. Um, and any instance where, like, his world and Aerith's could, like, intersect mm -hmm. would be so cool. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I want more summons. Um, I, I want a lot of that. I want Knights of the Round. I want like, I want to see those those bigger than life fights with like, Ruby Weapon and um, Emerald Weapon because like those moments are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think there's so much potential for large scale stuff. Um, and then I just want them to nail the vision in the end. Like I think if you have a game that you're trying to st tell like a consistent story over you know four however many arcs, it's hard. But at least make the installments feel self-contained. Like, this first game feels like it's its own game to itself. I, like, I can understand. I hate when people are like, oh, this is just a cash grab. It's just, they're just, like, sectioning off the games. This isn't a full game. It's like, first of all, you have clearly not played this. This is a full-ass mm -hmm. game. This is a whole journey experience. Like, from start to finish, I felt like this is just one contained adventure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's for something that really takes place within, like, the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They make it feel like a large-scale, like, high-stakes adventure. And that's that's awesome. I, I was worried that they were going to shortchange a lot of it and that it was going to be like, all right, like, I'm just looking for cats, like, for three hours in this game. But no, like, each area that you go to is as unique as the next, and everything you're doing in it, it feels uniquely different. And I... Sure, maybe some of it is a cash grab. I, you know... There's always money behind decisions and things like this. Definitely, like, the decision behind something like Integrate, I feel, where it's like, oh, how can we get, like, ten more bucks, you know? <laughs> how can we hype up, like, the, the PS5 version as well? Um, I'm, I'm cautious about some of that stuff where, like, I really think they'll probably do repackaging for things as well. Like, where it's like, oh, well, if you want your story to continue over into the next game, you have to have the full Integrate deluxe version. Yeah, no. Um... Kevin was worried that he he had this thought that a lot of people hate where he was thinking that they would cordon off these characters as DLC and if you didn't have it they wouldn't be in the game and I'm like that would that would suck that would piss a lot I of people feel like off. yeah I, I feel like even they would know that that's a terrible idea you know what yeah. I mean like I get that they want to sell more and shit but like god would that be fucking awful It would be especially for something like this that like it's it's made for the fans you know it's made by these people who have also like a long-standing love and care for these characters and world and they're giving it back to us in a way i just i hope they do it they do it right um because there's there's definitely a way to cheapen the experience across the board <laughs> i cannot believe I, I feel like we have not talked about such a huge fucking aspect of this game the hmm. soundtrack is so good like dude you know when it's insanely good <laughs> when in looney tunes when that skit of like bugs bunny is like he's the um conductor and he's like you know raising his hand and he's like yeah he's making the guy like come on give me more that's fucking <laughs> umatsu like with this with the fucking uh with the choir and the with band the conductor's and, baton yeah. just going yeah, he's, like any time like every freaking soundtrack in this game every theme when it gets to the crescendo and you're just like, damn, this can't get more awesome. He's just like up there fucking he's just like, just like give breaking me a his wrist conducting. <laughs> like just it's 
it's, it's amazing because like I don't even think he was the full-on composer for it. It was I think Hamazu and like Suzuki. I think they they came in and they they reworked a lot of the stuff. Yeah, there was um, definitely was a big like team a, that worked yeah. on this game with him. So that like that team of like three composers coming together and just reimagining like these smaller like kind of at times um, like chiptune soundtracks. It's it's amazing. Yeah, like. My, my this is something I skipped on in the the opening segment of of like my legacy with the game, but a lot of my legacy with Final Fantasy VII has been the music. Like I feel like I've spent more time listening to the music than ever playing the original game. Yeah. Um, whether through piano collections or original scores or I don't know if you're familiar with um, Overclock remixes. No. But it's like this open forum uh, for composers and creators to basically just remix and mashup themes mm-hmm. um it's ocremix.org and i spent a lot of like my middle school and high school years listening to like remixes of like sid's theme and Aerith theme and just kind of having a feel for this stuff like well before i even knew what it was and then to see it like heightened in this game with like expert composing and, and sound direction it's just oh dude it, it got me <laughs> like there, there's no one theme or song that just doesn't hit you know there's there's so many like renditions of the battle theme in the soundtrack and they all have like such a different feel and just the range of the entire soundtrack like some of them are so epic but then you get to the coliseum theme where it has like Mm -hmm. the very asian undertones and it sounds like Mm -hmm. edm like house music and like yeah it's so like catchy and oh i love it so much when you're fighting through like Corneo's mansion and you have this kind of like hyper bubblegum pop soundtrack going yeah. through the background as like Aerith and Tita are just fighting through things and it's just there's such a like a wide arrangement and swath of like musical themes and ideas at play there and it all gels. Um the Turks theme, that'll always slap for me. Yeah. And <laughs> um I, I how do you feel about the the music that you find throughout the game, like through like the vending machines and elsewhere? I thought it was like it was just kind of whatever for me. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, you can't really do anything with it, can you? It's just a, kind of a collectible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can you can listen to it from like the menu or like you know one of the other things, but that that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like it was just kind of a, just kind of there. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I liked it, but it could have been more. It could have been like how it was in Final Fantasy fifteen, where like you have like the iPod that you can listen to music when you're like walking around. Yeah, that driving. was sick. I I was definitely a lot more hype when they put the soundtrack on Spotify. I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm gonna shout out a particular album that I've been like playing on repeat lately. Um, are you familiar with Mega Ran? No, oh, I feel like I've heard of them. I've never listened to them. Okay, so he's um he's a rap artist, and he got his kind of start doing like um kind of like nerd hip hop for. Uh, Mega Man soundtracks and stuff of that nature, right? Yeah. But he originally did uh, like a Final Fantasy album like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he recently released kind of a, a remix retooling of it called Black Materia the Remake. And the way he takes the themes and like kind of wraps like stories about these characters over them is like really cool. Um, there's a, a song that like uses One Wing Angel that is like so hyped. <laughs> So, oh man let's check it out. talk about that soundtrack like at the height of the game when like you're fighting fate and sephiroth comes in 
and like you're just like in the middle of like the plane of existence and shit and then just to top it off like one when angel just starts playing and he like descends and it's just like it's not even like goosebumps it's like every fiber of my body is like firing right now like everything is so goddamn hype like um I remember playing through it the first time. I was like, this is so cool. Like, holy shit. Oh, it's just so much fun. That's like such a, like, amazing melding of all the elements coming together. Like the climax of the story where you're at, you're in this like nexus, like other dimension. (laughs) You're, you're hearing the music, you're seeing the characters come together and it all just like gels in that moment. You're like, all right, let's go. Let's kick Sephiroth's ass. And then just, uh, when, the reveal for Sephiroth and Smash because at first I was like man who the fuck what is who's this character and then one winged angel start playing and I was like I was like uh, uh, where do I know that? and then it hit me it was like oh my god mm. like that soundtrack is so iconic yeah. that like as soon as it started playing I didn't know who it was for like a split second but that dread just hit me mm-hmm. where I was like something bad is coming like i know what's about to happen it's so good you heard it and you just knew like it's one of those things where it's like songs heard before accidents yeah yeah and then mario almost gets killed images like that precede terrible events yeah, type deal. basically <laughs> it's so good uh did i listen to the soundtrack on spotify daily it's just so good it's, it was um i can't believe it didn't win anything at the game awards but i know in the composer sphere like mm-hmm. a remake a, a, ga- a remake's game soundtrack is like a very hot topic if if it should win awards right cuz you're just re-rewarding work that was done in like 1997 mm-hmm. right when i mean that's kind of like the interesting conversation about games like this right yeah. and even thinking about something like the resident evil remakes like resident evil 2 and 3 remake where it's like does this deserve any acclaim because it is really just a remake of a game that came out years ago and it's like well yeah it does yeah remakes to this caliber are just they're completely different games you know what i mean it's like and everything is just building on top of something else right like Mm -hmm. everything is taking inspiration and, and building on the the blocks of like their forefathers right yeah and it's like you have these sections for sure that are one for one moments like like i said the opening moment but everything in between is new it's all retold and it's all it's all influenced i think by everything that happened around it too like the fan fervor you know Mm -hmm. knowing that certain things are going to play well with fans hearing things like you know barrett like hum the victory fanfare theme right um and and stuff like that where it's like no they really thought about like how this impacted gaming as a whole and also external media like crisis core and all the other stuff that happened kind of outside and things that they knew would hype up fans Mm -hmm. sure like you know you could you could say a remake doesn't deserve it but i i could say the way that like capcom and and square here have done these remakes it's like they they're putting like ounce after ounce of love into it and making these modern games like this is like such a modern telling of of this story and yeah fuck it i don't care what people say like it deserves any award it could get capcom came in and was like yo let's just change up what remaking a game fucking means and then square Mm -hmm. enix came in and fucking dunked (laughs) on that idea like they just like full-on were like nah this is what a remake is and yeah 
it, they go over to Capcom. They're like, "Hey, hold my Cosmo Canyon. I'm gonna show you something crazy." <laughs> hold my real motherfucking quick. Buster Sword. <laughs> so good. It it tells volumes that we could like just speak nothing but like high praise about this game for like you know hours because it's just there's nonstop moment after moment that pays off in in every way and i'm i'm glad we got it because they could have not done it yeah like they could have just been like all right we did a tech demo it is a tall order to (laughs) to film and like really shout out to them and and really embracing the legacy and and just Mm -hmm. the love for this game uh and i think we've i hope that we've shown our love and 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 uh, passion for it because we ran through my notes quite a while ago and i just want to keep talking (laughs) like i just want to keep talking about this game with you because i love it so much and clearly like you love it too it's just uh. yeah i had kind of like a bunch of stuff that i wrote down on the side that like i think we just kind of touched on very very organically yeah um you know the the only place we can really go from here is up and i i hope we we get you know, these next installments in ways that like are, are measured and well done. Um, release them when they're ready is all I can say. If it takes another four or five years, like fine. I'll be 50 by the time I play the end of this game. I don't really care. <laughs> See, Just, you know, do it right. I'm going to get a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you a little bit. I'm going to get a little spicy mm-hmm. opinion. Get spicy. I think, I, I don't think the only place we can go is up. I think the stakes have never been higher. I think the capacity to screw up with this next title is huge because, and again, that's coming from the fact that I love this game so much and that I care about it so much. And I love the mechanics and the things that make it special. I think like if they make some of the wrong choices, the, the second game in future installments, I would not love as much. And I'm like I said earlier, I'm just, I'm cautiously cautiously optimistic because kevin and i have had this conversation we talked about it forever like i was hyped about final fantasy 15 for years years and Mm -hmm. years and i loved it and everything was set up for me to love that game when that (laughs) game came out i went to my local eb games which is like games gamestop oh yeah that night i won a free ps4 at the midnight release won a free copy of final fantasy 15 hated the game in the end such a bummer everything was set up for me to love that game and i feel like the hype is even more with final fantasy remake part Mm two because i know what's what came before i know what the potential for the sequel is but i was so burnt on 15 that i am so scared (laughs) i am i think it's no it's tough looking at a game like that that was kind of in development hell for a long time yeah and kind of like shifted through through teams and um producers and i i think like you you get this kind of end stage where nomura came in and did work on it and you know it released and it felt very less than yeah um like there, there was something missing and you could i mean that's very apparent by the way they had to like change the last few chapters <laughs> of the game and add all this additive content and it it's a bummer because like that that game had a lot of components that that really did work for it but there's just so much in between that just kind of sagged the experience a bit um i i mean i like 15 i think it's it's a pretty good game um it hit on the cylinders that i want but it is disappointing um whereas this i feel like even the shift to take it from that first like external develop 
development team that was working on it and then shift it to Square Enix like Division 1 like that lets us know that they really do want to make sure they get it right and you know giving the reins to Katase and being like hey you're go- you're going to work on this and make sure that the vision is kind of uniform i think that that breathes some sort of faith into me you know mm-hmm. rather than I would be a little bit worried if, if Namor was helming it the entire time because he's all over the place. He's like, well, let me work on this Kingdom Hearts game and this <laughs> installment. And it's just like, focus, dude. Jeez, you have like ADD. <laughs> but I, I get it, you know. A man of passion. Yeah. It Again, I'm I'm just... I'm cautiously optimistic. That's that's what yeah. I'll say. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to like leave this on this sour note of being scared. I want to... <laughs> You know, do you have any closing remarks, I guess? Do I have any closing remarks on this legacy title? Well, I'll say if you haven't played it, play it. It is still free on PS Plus. So Yes, I can't believe we haven't mentioned that. Yeah, so go check it out. It's like probably the best free game you're gonna play this month. Um I I love it. There there's a gamble with it, and I think that's maybe why it took so long for this to kind of come to fruition. Um, but it, it definitely was a, a lot of elements of, of right time, right place, getting the right team and, and make it happen right. Um, I love it. It's a special title. It's, you know, my top second Final Fantasy game. Um, and everything about it just makes me hopeful for more, really. Um, I mean, if you get more moments like this, more character building, evolve the combat system in, in a way that doesn't shy away from what it was originally you know, expand the world and, and keep going. You, you, you got me. You got me, Katase. Um, <laughs> but I love it. It's it's probably one of the most special games of, of this generation. Um, and I think if if you haven't played the original, this is the perfect boarding point, you know, because like we said before, it's super self-contained and it gives you everything you need up front. Sure, some of it's confusing. You're going to be like, hey, what are these Dementors doing? What's, <laughs> what's going on with this, you know, cat with the crown? But, you know, just enjoy the ride, you know, because that, that's what it is. It's, it's a, a wild, heartfelt ride through and through and um, special, like <laughs> bar none. Absolutely, man. I could not have put it better myself. If, if you know, the viewers don't realize how much passion that you and I have for this, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, this game is special. Mm-hmm. It's special to me. It's special to you and to so many other people. There's so much history with this franchise, with the remake and, and the original, and just personal history like we've gone through today. Like I, I literally remember when I watched the first trailer. I remember mm-hmm. where I was in my bedroom and the time of day and and stuff like that. Like that's how impactful yeah. this game has been. And. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's definitely going to have a huge impact on the Final Fantasy franchise going forward and, and just the industry as a whole. Yeah, I think it sets the bar really high for what Remake should it, be and what Square should be doing. It sets the bar this, hella this high for Final Fantasy 16. I don't know. Like, <laughs> they're working on Remake Part 2. They're making 16. They're still doing 14. Like, man, this... Yeah. How do they do this, man? <laughs> how do these games get made? No wonder it took, like, 10 years to make Final Fantasy 15. That, yeah. I mean, that's always, like, one of the greater questions at the end of the day, and one of the things that a lot of people face is, like, how do these games get made in a sustainable way? Do they get made? Do they come out? Do they get scrapped? And it's it's got to be hard to, to juggle, like, three titles that are beloved in a franchise so storied, because yeah. um, there's so much expectation. But I think if you if you get the right people on the right projects and have the right vision for it through and through, it, it could work. Um, I'm, I'm stoked for 16, whatever that could be you know i i'm not a big fan of 
14, unfortunately, because um, it just I'm playing it on console, and I don't think that MMO feel works for me. It's just too like well for the Realm, uh, Realm Reborn um, is just super boring. Like I talked to. I talked to Chelsea Ugh, about it. And it's I was so like, boring. Yo, you're always talking about like crying and like this game is so good and emotional. Like, I don't want to be mean, but when does that yeah. happen? <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, it she's like, like, Oh, just get into the expansions. I was like, happen. Oh, that makes sense. I'm just like in the base game. She's like, Oh yeah, it's fucking boring and awful. I was like, Okay, but you know, it's a time sink. What a thing to like ask yeah. your player to commit to though. Be like, oh yeah, you just gotta commit to the first sixty that's, hours of this game. That's, that's totally like not me. Old. It used it's to be okay. me. Like I used to Fine. do stuff like that. But if you're not hooking yeah. me instantly, I'm gonzo. But I'm really just yeah. trying to push through it with this because, again, people like Chelsea and Ben just like sing its praises so much, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some pretty cool stuff from it too. Um, it just those beginning missions are so grindy and boring and i just didn't care enough about the world i liked my dragon girl that i made i thought she was pretty cool um but the thing about like final fantasy is like you have to be able to hook me with the characters and a game like that just didn't do it right away um and a game like final fantasy 7 remake did it in the first like five minutes you know when cloud just like jumps off that maybe like oh this guy's cool (laughs) yeah um can I ask you as a, a kind of, I don't know if you had any other notes, but um, what what would you like to see them potentially remake otherwise, like outside of Final Fantasy VII? In like just the Final Fantasy franchise? Yeah, yeah. Like maybe like another like previous entry they, or, you know, anything like they that. They got to do six in the style mm-hmm. of Octopath Traveler. Yeah, nailed it. That, that's all we want. Come and on, they got to add voice acting to it and that's it just like those visuals and voice acting and it'll be fucking perfect i don't i wouldn't want to see that game in 3d i think just the 2.5 pixeler like is just and again everybody knows how much i like octopath traveler and project triangle strategy so the art style and i oh i unfortunately didn't give those a a fair shake but i i really want to because it's like they're gorgeous games you know it um I th- I wrote an article like way back in the day, probably like two years ago now, about how mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler kind of changed the like very classic Final Fantasy formula of like go to a town, talk to the one guy you're supposed to, get new items, leave, go to dungeon. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because Octopath Traveler has like these um, character mechanics where uh, your thief character can steal like good ass equipment from somebody, but if you fail they get pissed at you and you can't steal from them. If you fail enough times, they'll fucking kick you out of town or like you can fight uh, characters with like one of the, one of your party members. And if you defeat them, they like get knocked out. So you can like, if they're blocking the door to their house, you can like go in their house and shit and like find information or a chest that you might need. Like it's so cool stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's really fun. God, let's, Fuck it, let's get into an episode about Octopath Traveler. Let's go for another two hours. There it is. I'll I'll download it right now. I'll play it as we're talking about <laughs> this it. This is now a Let's Play, people. <laughs> Without yeah, right. any other uh, video. <laughs> yeah, it's more like just an audible reaction form to everything we're doing. Um, yeah, I I want to get into it because um, I, I played the demo like way back when, when that first launched, and I liked it. Um, and the fact that they juggle kind of eight narratives is pretty pretty cool um i'd be interested to see if it all kind of gels and comes together in a way in the end that like is rewarding it, it um, the the stories are always separate they never like they don't come together in the end yeah oh, okay. but 
So those characters like never even like interact. There's like a secret boss fight that kind of like blends it all together in the end, but they really don't interact. Like it's that's the biggest criticism of that game is the characters okay. don't really interact with each other. There's no reason they're traveling together. It's very much separately like eight different stories, um, very separate. But those eight stories are very good. Like they're very very compelling and, and mature and and in-depth for a JRPG, I'd say. Well, if they do remake 6 in that style, give us all the characters. Don't do <laughs> fucking 16 separate yeah, characters. It's, but yeah, definitely definitely play it and definitely try Triangle Strategy because, God, I want everyone alive to play that game because I love that genre and I just had a ton of fun with it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Tactics uh, as a kid, so I definitely want to play something kind of in that yeah. vein. All right, we got to end this before we just talk about everything. There we go. Yeah, just just get Meteor, crash it straight down on the podcast, <laughs> end it right here. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say? Any plugs you want to give? Like, talk about yourself. Um, well, yeah, you kind of introed me at the start of the show. My name is Daniel. I'm a gaming enthusiast. Definitely not big in the industry at all. <laughs> um, I do a podcast with my roommate. It's called The Save Room. You can find us over at Twitter. Uh, Save Room Show, and then um, on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all those places to search the Save Room. You might get a John Legend song coming up first, but <laughs> we are the podcast that has the blue icon with the typewriter. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a, a labor of love that we've been doing for like the last, geez, almost five years Dang. now. Um, yeah, and it's just we we talk about video games that we're playing we do kind of hypercritical analysis on stuff in the industry um when stuff breaks and then we'll do deep dives on stuff as well um we kind of have three separate formats we do a new show we do a play show and then we do a separate one where we just review stuff so check it out i mean we, we're already oversaturating the video game podcast market but <laughs> and here's you know, another one <laughs> we, yeah but we, we come from a place of just love with uh, the, the things that we talk about. And, and, you know, as two people who grew up playing video games, it's just like, you know, we, we can't help but like want to just share our love and, and criticism because there's there's so much to talk about in terms of this this industry. It's not just one note. It's just not stupid. We're not just playing stupid kids games, right? There's a burgeoning industry of, of different mediums and arts here coming together and it is rivaling things like you know the, the film industry in a mm -hmm. lot of ways and i i think um i'm kind of glad to have been along for the ride all this time and see the evolution and just kind of like just be wowed by like how far we've come in just like the last like i don't know for me like 30 years of playing video games um so check that out if you want to listen to it we we try and keep a kind of weekly bi-weekly cadence here and there um, and then otherwise, like you said, I, I stream kind of <laughs> over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Um, I took a hiatus for a bit. Um, I haven't streamed since August. Gathering the old I often hang out on my roommate streams. So, um, Well, for me, it's like I, I was doing native streaming and I wanted to take that next step to like use a capture card and use OBS and kind of like up my setup. And I bought all that stuff, but I haven't willed myself to use it so honestly like we talked about uh off air how frustrated i get mm -hmm. with technology like the capture card and shit is surprisingly easy to do yeah um i i need to just kind of like clean up my laptop a little bit uh upgrade my os because i i tried to download obs but it just was not playing well with mm -hmm. my version of of mac os that i have yeah. right now but 
um as a final thing i like i listen to every episode of of the save room and i think about this constantly i have no idea how we met i have no idea how i found you guys i can't remember for the life of me i think i literally looked up on spotify like i wanted to listen to something resident evil or like a resident evil podcast Mm -hmm. and you guys came up um yeah i i was it our Resident Evil Seven sound uh, review I, or something like, like I that, literally don't it? remember. It it was so strange. And then uh, you know I, I I just messaged you guys and I was like, "Yo, love your show. Want to come on?" And then that's where it started. And then I've met even more people because of you guys. Like I said, like now I talk to Chelsea every now and then and shit. So that's awesome, dude. Well, I'm I'm glad you found us. And it you know when you reach out to Kevin like all those months i guess it's over like a year or so at this point where you did the first uh podcast with him i was like oh that's cool it's cool that somebody like took enough interest and kind of it was wanted to be in it was two years ago man the first time we talked was january 2019 and it was right after resident evil 2 remake came out and like that's crazy uh i think we talked for like three three and a half hours we had a big conversation it was it was that was like a a whole two-part two part sorry two part podcast that i don't even think like ended up like going up and part two didn't even came out this is why i had you on as the first guest just to ask you where the (laughs) fuck part two is (laughs) no i'll I'll dig into it for you i'll I'll figure it out (laughs) kevin's gonna be like huh what what the fuck are you talking about part two where (laughs) i appreciate you you bringing me on and and having such a interest in in fervor for what we do and it it, you know it gave us the chance to kind of learn who you are as well as and get to know your work and you know it's it's awesome getting to know you like you're super genuine dude and and your love for gaming like shines in like literally everything you do so keep it up man blush man stop (laughs) (laughs) but no like i had you on first man because like what you were saying five minutes ago like you're passionate man you got that passion. You love mm-hmm. your game. You know you know how to articulate and get your thoughts out. Like, don't be nervous about doing this stuff in the future. And like, <laughs> without a doubt, I'm gonna have you on again. We're gonna talk about Zelda. And uh, I already talked to Kevin. You two are definitely coming on for the Bloodborne episode. I'll probably ask Chelsea to come Sick. too, because God knows we all love that game, and <laughs> there's so much to talk about it. Yes. Would you believe that this is like the first podcast that I've ever done outside of the same? That's so crazy, <laughs> man. It, it just comes naturally to you. I'm telling you. It's, I've always said I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. Like I get tripped up a lot on like stuff I want to mm-hmm. say. And I have kind of like an anxious speech impediment at times. So I definitely don't always feel like confident in this space. Um, and I definitely don't consider myself like a, a content creator. It's just something I do because I, I love it. And, um, you know, I just continue to do it over time because it's just like, well, if I stop doing it, then like, how do I get that love out there? <laughs> so, no, man. Any but... expectations I had, you far exceeded them. Like, you don't got to worry about it at all. Um, I'm sure you're like me, where all weekend I'm gonna be like, fuck, I should have mentioned this one thing that I totally forgot about, <laughs> and then we're gonna be like, I missed another thing. I want, you know what I mean? I'm always like, damn, I wish I brought this up. It kind of shoots you in the foot doing these like kind of one-off episodes about like people's legacy with games um, because it's like, oh, well, I can't talk about Final Fantasy on like a Resident Evil podcast yeah. the way I'd like to. Um, whereas like if I miss something sometimes on like a Save Room episode, I'll go back to it on like a later cast if, if it's relevant. <laughs> um, but yeah, you always kind of beat yourself up over the stuff you wish you mm-hmm. could have said. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, say what you mean, say what you feel and you know, your, your love for the, the game and all of it is still gonna shine through so when 
when I first like put out that I was doing this podcast and I said like what games I want to do and I put Bloodborne so many people were like put me down for the Bloodborne episode because I wanted to only do like one episode per game and I was like man I'm gonna have to like immediately throw that rule out the window like everybody wants to talk about a certain game right so yeah it's uh you, you throw out people's favorite games and like everybody yeah. comes it's like sharks chomping at the at the bit um i'm i'm honored to have been featured on this one such a, a legacy game and and one that like i probably could have done more justice if i had played the first game no, all man, the way through and remembered it in full but you know whatever it's it's still just an honor to be here and, and get to talk about the things that love so all right thank you everyone for listening this has been the first episode of memory card memoirs you know this is going to be the format of the show we just we're gonna go off on tangents we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know i'm gonna try and reel it in but we're gonna talk about a different game every now and then but hopefully our passion shine through and and you uh got to learn about daniel and i a big part of the show is um if you're listening please go check out the guests go check out what they do go check out the save room please like i fully fully endorse it like i said i listen to every episode um but just thank you for listening and thank you to everyone who supported me and the show and daniel and thank you honestly just have a good weekend and go play some goddamn games yeah man enjoy your weekend play all the good games um I want to ask, where where are we going to be able to find this podcast? Is it going to be <laughs> Let me just get close to the mic. No fucking clue. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. Uh, probably oh, just like it iTunes, up as it goes. Spotify. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I've, I have no experience editing audio, dealing with this stuff, so it's going to be a learning experience. <laughs> I'm glad and thankful for whoever <laughs> sticks with me through the ride to be honest yeah and you know look oh, forward sure to uh, that so. dm for me I, what, what do i do <laughs> how do i fix this goodbye everybody thank you okay have a good weekend go play final fantasy 7 remake it's free good for night, god's everybody. sake <laughs> this episode of memory card memoirs is dedicated to bobby pauls aka the nintendo guru who recently passed away due to covid19 He was an absolute beast in the community, whether it was the Nintendo community, podcasting, or just the industry as a whole. Uh, I'm really going to miss him, and he had a huge influence on me as both a person and a creator. Rest in peace, brother.